Wow. Chris Libertini, the voice of WABC, putting the whole package together for my 68th birthday. As I was uh, hatched into this world, March 26, 1954, in the bowels of Brooklyn Hospital, downtown Brooklyn, by Dr. Duckman, who, by the way, is uh, very uh, infamous because he was the father of Judge Duckman, who, if you remember, released a monster who went back and ended up killing his victim, and he created a stain on his daddy's life, who had slapped my tukish, my tush, my dupa, and I've been talking ever since, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what the trials or tribulations, you can't stop me from talking. So what I need to know is, since this is my life, according to Chris Libertini, and you remember the old show, This Is Your Life, what uh, potentially can you tell me about my life since it's been pretty much an open book, especially in the close to 32 years that I've done talk radio, most of them here at WABC, My Place to Be, which uh, upon my return after losing to Eric Adams in the mayoral campaign here in New York City, our owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, uh, who was smashing plates earlier today with his lovely wife, Margot. Uh, that's part of the Greek Independence uh, Day celebration. I've yet to figure that out. The smashing of uh, plates. And uh, I turned to Margot after she uh, smashed a few of her plates. I said, what is the tradition for, the Greek tradition? He says, release frustration and anger. Well, that's something I've always had a lot of anger management. I, I would tend to want to release my anger by punching your schnoz right down your throat. And it's a really good sense of relief for me, knowing that I hit you so hard that your mother would feel the vibrations. Now, that's my form of relief. I don't think you can apply a racial or an ethnic uh, heritage to that. Like you can the Greek tradition of breaking plates. And I mean, everybody here at WABC earlier this afternoon, even my oldest son, Anthony, who's an intern, who also uh, hosts a show with me, a podcast, Father and Son, Anthony and Curtis. You got to check out the episodes. There are 11 up there at WABCradio.com, along with all the shows that have their own podcasts of their live presentations and many of the specialty podcasts, but especially look up Father and Son. It's Anthony and Curtis. And we talk about all kinds of father and son issues. Uh, 11 episodes. Uh, next week will be our 12th. And it was great to have him uh, celebrating with me my 68th birthday. So what I want to do is open up the phone lines. And since this is my life, I want you to be able to tell me things you know about my life that you either heard about or personally experienced or the times you've run across me. Because one of the constant things, one of the constant things that people do is when they call me up or they stop me in the street or the subways or anywhere I happen to be going at that moment, they'll say, hey, 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 Sleever, you remember me, uh, Avenue B and 8th Street, East 8th Street. Remember 1982, August of 1982, I said. Really? You expect me to remember that? But that's all a part of my life. Let's hold it up on phone lines, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. 
What can you tell me about my life? And before we get into uh, the breaking of the plates, the Greek tradition that was practiced here in our green room here at WABC, our broadcast room, uh, by almost everybody here, they were breaking uh, plates in the uh, tradition of uh, Greek Independence Day. I had high blood pressure earlier today, high blood pressure because I hadn't been able to get my prescription filled in about three days. So when I get high blood pressure, oh, it's a doozy. I think mine was about 228 over 140. That about puts you in the morgue most times. About 248 over 140. And I had that for three days because I couldn't get my prescription filled at any of these freaking Dwayne Reed mega drugstores that are so concerned with being looted by guys and gals who come in with their Alvin Bragg swag bags and they just decide to take everything they can off the shelves that isn't chained uh, up or locked up, which is about half the items now. So I go into Dwayne Reed's and they're always backed up. I mean, back to back, belly to belly, nut to butt. Earlier uh, in the day, I went into a Dwayne Reed in my neighborhood in the Upper West Side, and there was an old codger up in the front arguing with people at the counter who couldn't give Jack Diddley squat concern about what he was yelling about. I tried to calm the situation down. The old codger appreciated that. The young staff said, mind your own business. Uh, mind my own business, huh? You're giving this old time a hard time. Uh, whatever happened to courtesy? And the customer's always right, right? Huh? Huh? So then I ended up schlepping to a Dwayne Reed closer to WABC. And I give him the prescription. I said, ladies, uh, I really need this prescription filled up or I have a feeling I'm going to have to go to the hospital this weekend. Oh, but wait a second. Uh, Your prescription says 10 milligrams. And this bottle you gave us said 5 milligrams. So we can't give you the prescription. I said, well, what do you think? These are oxys? What is Vicodin? Xanax? Oh, what are you talking about? A narcotic? We're talking about high blood pressure medicine. And so the woman goes, don't lose your temper. Don't lose my temper. My blood pressure is up to about 248 over 140. Do you want an EMT to have to take me from here to the nearby hospital? They couldn't care about me or anybody else online. And the line went all the way to the back. Meantime, some guy's walking out with a six-pack of Budweiser. I say, hey, buddy. Did you pay for that? He dropped it right there and ran right out the door. That's all you got to do. Scare the living bejeebers out of these these looters and these folks coming in shoplifting. Meantime, they didn't care about the guy stealing a six-pack of Bud. They cared about not filling my prescription. So I went down the block to the um, fire fire company across from the police station. I said, hey, guys, EMT, could you just strap me up? Let me see my blood pressure. They said, man, man, it is at the danger level. You better get some medication now. We're going to have to take you to the hospital. I said, you ain't taking me to no hospital. And it went back into that Dwayne Reed. And I told the counter manager, I said, I am not leaving here until I get my medicine for blood pressure. They said, well, we're not going to serve you. I said, well, then I'm not leaving. And everybody's coming to me. Oh, can I take a selfie? What are you doing here, Curtis? And then I tell them the story. They're giving me a hard time. They won't give me my blood pressure medicine. I'm showing them the bottle, right? So after about an hour of this, an hour, 
these schmucks, these putzes, with no sense of this is bad for the brand, Dwayne Reed. They don't care because people have nowhere else to go. So they finally capitulated. They finally folded like a cheat camera. They finally decided, hey, we'll give you a a few to get you through the weekend. Oh, weren't they so generous? But only because I put up a stink. Only because I put up a stink. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's start off this day with my birthday. Uh, I want to tip my beret to Dominic Carter, who obviously mentioned it earlier on in his one-hour program. Uh, did Frank Morano mention it on uh, the other side of it? I, of course not. Of course not. Although he knew. It was in all the newspapers. You know, it says, whose birthday, March 26th? Okay, let's uh, find out from all of you out there which infamous uh, or famous people share a birthday on March March 26th. There's three to come to mind to me immediately. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, two, two are okay. And one I really, I loathe, I despise. 1-800-848-9222. In fact, uh, let's go to uh, Glenn in Hillside. Uh, this is my life. What are you going to tell me about my life, Glenn? Well, uh, this is uh, Ralph Edwards uh, from This Is Your Life uh, from way back when uh, might uh, turn around and say, Curtis, um, you've been uh, very lucky to have started an international organization um, to be a radio personality. Um, but uh, it boils down to that old saying, uh, lucky in life, unlucky in love. Oh, what, what do you mean by that, uh, Glenn? <laughs> How many marriages? <laughs> oh, by the way, can you imagine, even though Frank Morano will not acknowledge me, he decided to basically do a bit of this is your life. Trying to be Ralph Edwards to me. Listen to this, Glenn. You're, you seem to be of uh-huh. the same mindset. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Of all of Curtis Sliwa's former wives, significant others, now former, not current. Right. Who did you dislike the most? Who was just the most bizarre? Melinda Katz. And why? Uh, because she she drove him crazy. She was belligerent. She was um, controlling. She was uh, divisive. You know, he, Curtis would get off the phone with Melinda Katz. And, no, he wouldn't get off the phone. He, she'd be screaming at him on the phone, and he would throw his phone across the room. He, it was. It was. I mean, it was a toxic relationship. And she struck me as a a very ill tempered person. Now she's very nice whenever I met her. But um, I remember when she ran for district attorney, I remember thinking, I can't think of someone less qualified to put people in jail than her. And yet somehow the person she ran against was even more of a wacko than she was. Tiffany Caban, Tiffany Caban, who wanted to basically open up all the jails. um, I I found myself literally praying that Melinda Katz would beat Tiffany Caban for DA. But if I had to pick, um, you know, honestly, I like most of Curtis's exes. Um, Mary, who I still am very good friends with, she's terrific and a very good mother to Anthony. Um, Lisa, I've always been a big fan of. And uh, certainly his current wife, Nancy, is a delight. I didn't know his first wife. And he had one serious girlfriend named Gail, uh, who I, I didn't really know that well. But uh, I would say the, the only one that really rubbed me the wrong way was Melinda Katz. 
Wow, what a yenta. You see, Glenn? No, I tell you, I really like Lisa Evers. I mean, I see her on uh, on the news, and uh, I, I think that was a keeper. I, I don't know what the what the problem was uh, with uh, with Lisa. Glenn, it always looks better from the outside, but if <laughs> you have to share a domicile with somebody, then you know the pain, you know the suffering, you know the fact that at any moment you are going to scatologically just explode all over the world. So but she was she started as a guardian angel. That's how you that's how you got together. So you had that common bond. And then she's a news person, which you are. So you've got two major things that you know that would be that would make for a great marriage. Glenn, Glenn. Are you a, a Pisher? Are you a Schmendrick? Don't you know the old axiom that Opposites attract. Well, you know how that actually is, is that why opposites attract is that you're attracted to a person who has, who has qualities that you wish you had. Okay. There's somebody, somebody who is neat and you're sloppy. Okay. Uh, your office, you know, you got papers all over the place. You probably would uh, be attracted to somebody who is organized and uh, and keeps a tidy house. That's that's when they, when they say opposites attract. That's what it is. You're looking for those qualities that you don't possess. Well, you see, you see, Glenn. Uh, that is why Nancy, my wife, now is the keeper because we couldn't be more hopelessly opposite. And that's what's made for a great marriage. Well, I can't really say that about any of the other women that I was married to or even any of the ones that I had relationships with. It was not good, Glenn. How do you like that Yenta, though, Frank Morano? Yenta, Yenta, Yenta. He's like a washwoman. 1-800-848-9222. Just imagine the old episode of Ralph Edwards. I think the original This Is Your Life was on the BBC. And I think they had about a thousand episodes when it came to America. But what do you know about my life? Like uh, Glenn, who just called. Like Frank Morano. Guy who's like, got to put his beak in the trough of Curtis Lee all the time. Anyway, let's go to, if we can, to uh, Paul. Who's calling from Orange County? Your turn to be heard here at WABC on my birthday, Paul. Yes, well, happy birthday. What, do you expect me to thank you for that, huh? Paul, is that what you're waiting yeah. for? Is that what you well, have? Well, you're 10 years older than me there, bro. Oh, so. 10. I got you by 10. So, ah, you're 58, huh? Yes, 58. So what is it that's 58. on your mind, Paul? This this hookup you got with Wiener, you you gotta get rid of him. Yeah, gotta get rid of him. He's just uh, just a mouthpiece for the every democratic BS that's going out there. <laughs> but what is that, uh, Paul? Paul, first off, I don't determine who my radio partners are. I do determine who my ex-wives are because I'm the one who has to ask them to marry me first. But I don't get that opportunity with my radio partners, and I've had more radio partners than ex-wives. No, I mean, uh, I like Ron Kuby. You guys were good, and uh, I I like you with Chris Hahn, but Wiener, got to (laughs) go. Well, sorry. 
He's not going anywhere. In fact, you can listen tomorrow from 2 to 4. That's every Saturday, 2 to 4. And a very uh, big surprise tomorrow when you tune in at 2, although it's Operation Hush, Hush, Mush, Mush. Once again, this is Ralph Edwards. This is my life on my uh, 68th birthday. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to PJ calling from Queens. Uh, Your turn to be heard here on WABC, PJ. Uh, BJ, it's your old pal, your old friend, uh, Cosmic uh, Connection. Uh, Many years ago, when I was a student at Xavier High School, I had a Father Alexander who used to, at least once a week, regale us with stories about how he single-handedly expelled you, a uh, very, very rebellious uh, high school student, for not wanting to wear the blazers and uh, being a, uh, a student agitator. And uh, once we heard that story, we knew, A, Father Alexander didn't have much of a life. B, anyone that ever (laughs) went into Father Alexander's uh, uh, orbit that disagreed with him uh, was zapped. Uh, And C, uh, I knew that uh, you were a very committed uh, uh, person with a lot of integrity. And uh, you've beaten them all. So uh, a toast to you. And uh, you're going to uh, be here in another hundred years and uh, try and make peace with your uh, nemeses, uh, uh, perceived or real or otherwise. You'll live a lot longer. God, do you realize how many nemeses I have? And by the way, my wife, uh, I don't know if she's half my age or even younger than that. We still don't know how how young Nancy is. (laughs) Uh, When I kicked a bucket, because let's face it, the over-under point spread suggests that I'll die before her. She wants to stuff me. And then have me sit in the chair so the cats can settle on my shoulders, on my head, and lay in my lap. She wants to stuff me. I think a portrait will do. Uh, the stuffing is, uh, I don't know, rather strange. Well, she's, uh, she's researching that. By the way, uh, BJ, to set the record straight about uh, Father Alexander, who was the headmaster of Brooklyn Prep, the Jesuit high yes. school. They closed in 1972, the very year that I got kicked to the curb, and it, I never looked back. Uh, he actually did me the biggest favor of my life because he taught me a lesson. He said, Curtis, there are consequences for your actions every step of the way. He gave me a second chance. I was student government president. He and the prefect of discipline, I forget his name, he hated me. Uh, marched me into the headmaster's room. Uh, Father Jack smoked these unfiltered Chesterfields. Oh, lucky strikes. That's right. I like this. He had a big crop of white hair. Yep. Uh, He had a vein that was uh, like a red vein in his nose. He kind of had a little bit of a lazy eye. He he, uh, looked like he could have been one of the dead-end kids. uh, Yeah, well, you know, uh, he had what we call rum rouge. Uh, exactly. Yeah, Rum Rouge, that means you've been knocking too many Jamesons back. But I will tell you this. He did me the biggest favor in my life. It was actually John Sexton, who eventually became the chancellor of NYU, who had been the debate coach for my sister, my older sister, a leader at St. Brendan's in Chiefs Bay, who uh, was introduced to me. I used to watch them practice uh, debating uh, at the kitchen table in my mom and dad's house in Canarsie. And he always said to my mother, you know, when Curtis is of uh, age, 
Just let me know. I'll get him into Brooklyn Prep. They owe me a lot of favors. He was like the favorite son, you know, the Rockaway kid. And he pulled every string he can. I had no legacy, but every string that John Sexton had. Because I failed the entry test twice. Failed him twice. First time, BJ, the excuse that I gave was I had, oh, my God, I had a an ear infection. In fact, it was a mastoid ear infection. And they all went, we haven't heard of mastoid ear infections in 100 years. (laughs) So they gave me a second chance. I failed that one. And then finally, uh, Jack Alexander said to me uh, in front of my mother, my dad was out at sea. He said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get into Brooklyn Prep. I think it's a mistake. We're going to do it for John Sexton, who's done so much for Brooklyn Prep. Uh, But he had this uh, prophetic line. He said, I have a feeling you're going to be on the outside looking in. And there I was. You are as close to indestructible as ever I've met an individual. I've never seen people, uh, a person, an individual come back for as many ailments as you have come back. So, uh, and and one more other point, you know, you you made a great point about him doing you a big favor. You never know, sometimes the angels come to you as devils, and sometimes the devils come to you as angels. I'm telling you, BJ, I know a lot of people have said, Father Jack Alexander did you wrong, you could have gone on to become a lawyer, could have been this, that. So, no, no, no. Uh, by kicking me out and me deciding I wasn't going to look back, I wasn't going to seek further education, it grounded me. Uh, it forced me to look at things that I would not have had to have looked at because I would have been separate from the things that I became really good at. It led to me forming the Guardian Angels and eventually uh, being relatively good in talk radio to survive for close to 32 years and then have that opportunity to of the city of New York. And I, I have to state uh, that Jack Alexander, by giving me the boots, shining his boots on my uh, my backside and kicking me to the curb, uh, really lit me up. Lit me up, yep. BJ. That, that's a certain. You really did show. Uh, he he. It's like that song, A Boy Named Sue. I gave you that name and I said goodbye. And I knew you'd have to get tough or die. And uh, that's uh, that's kind of what happened. And uh, we're all better for it, my friend. So Well, guess ha- what, BJ? Ha- One of the things I do whenever I have a chance is listen to WABC all the time. And I heard uh, your outrage the other day with Bo Snurdly. And I will, I will have a replay of that in the 3 o'clock hour. It was a, I mean, an Oscar award-winning performance <laughs> on the Bo the- Snurdly show, a.k.a. the man who uh, was the phone screener for Rush Limbaugh for all those years and now has his own talk show. In fact, he'll be on in a few hours, 7 to 10. And I'm going to play back your call because I was listening. I said, man, BJ is on fire against Eric Adams. <laughs> well, we worked hard and it wasn't in the cards, you know. And the truth of, the truth to be told, uh, I licked my, my wounds for a while. A lot of people worked. But the truth be told, Curtis, is that uh, it wasn't meant to be. Only 25% of the people showed up to vote. Yep. But if everyone showed up to vote and showed the, the stomach for the fight, you'd be mayor now. Yeah, well, just think, his recent decision to reward the millionaire ball players and performers and diss and dismiss the hero cops, firefighters, especially the healthcare workers who crawled into the belly of the beast when the lockdown and pandemic took place in March of 2020, and sanitation guys, all the essential workers, 
And then basically to say to them, tough noogies, you're fired. 2,000 of them fired because he wouldn't take the vaccine. And yet he gives Kyrie Irving, Aaron Judge, the rest of these mega millionaires an opportunity to play, even though they're, quote, breaking the rules. But we're going to get into that in the 3 o'clock hour because I was out at City Field. Oh, yeah. When he was doing his spin, his rope and dope. And you're going to hear from BJ in one of those cameo appearances where callers actually steal the thunder and get as much equal time as the host or hostess itself. But before we go to the rest of the callers about this edition of Ralph Edwards, This Is My Life on My 68th Birthday, we talk about consequences for their actions. I want to know, based on what Frank Morano said the other night, if there will be consequences uh, for these actions that will be rendered against him by our owners and operators, John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis, and our general manager, Chad Lopez. I want you to listen to what he admits for the very first time. Every morning at 4 a.m., you have that little gospel song from the Silver Swan Tones, I'm Not Tired Yet. Right, the Swan Silver Tones, yes. And then he says something that clearly should lead to his indictment, his prosecution. I don't care if he pleads out on it, but there has to be ramifications for this because for years, for years, I was traumatized by this. That song, I actually stole that from Curtis. Curtis, he used to do this show. He was on from 2 to 6 a.m. overnights, and I used to listen. He did a great job. And um, I he, he would play that at the top of every hour. And I always said when I would be listening to Curtis doing overnight radio, I said, if I'm ever on doing my own overnight radio show, I'm going to play that for the last hour. And uh, did you hear him acknowledge? I want you, Izzy, to save that cut. He said he stole it from me. Repeat that cut, please, Izzy. That song, I actually stole that Stop from that. Curtis. Stop. He said that song, I actually stole it from Curtis. Now, he implicated himself. It was many years ago that he stole that out of my library. There are no copies left of this song. And yet, he stole the one existing copy available for this classic spiritual song i'm not tired yet he stole it out of my milk crates my clutter i will never forgive i will never forget that and i am hoping that management takes whatever recourse it can and establishes some kind of penalty for it. can i hear that one more time one more time that song i actually stole that from curtis boom that's an implication right there Watch him try to do the rope-a-dope on that. That disgraziata, that shanda. I was wondering where my copy was for all these years. 1-800-848-9222. I feel so much better, so much uh, relief, so much nachos now for not only breaking all those plates... With everybody here at WABC, uh, as John and Marco Katsimatidis led the way on the Greek Independence Day, which was Friday. But I feel so much better knowing that Frank Morano has implicated himself in a felony larceny. 
Now you're getting a preview of um, Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey, in just a few hours, 6 to 10, and then Tony Orlando without Dawn. This was mentioned by one of our callers uh, about a week ago. He said it was a one-shot wonder by a guy who had my same first name, Curtis. In fact, it was, uh, this is by Curtis Lee, Pretty Little Angel Eyes. And he was absolutely correct. It was a one-shot wonder. I'm going to see if maybe uh, Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey, 6 to 10 in just a few hours, will play that in honor of my 68th birthday. Or maybe even Tony Orlando without Dawn. And then I return at 12 midnight to do it all over again. Uh, let's go, if we can, to Eileen, who's calling from Piermont. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Eileen. Hi, Curtis. Happy birthday. How does it feel to be 29? Mm, well, actually, figure people are trying to kill me ever since uh, I've been uh, 18. So I know. About 50 I know. years. Uh, I, I've, I've had a good life surviving all those trials and tribulations. I know that. But I have two things to say to you. I am very worried about your blood pressure. Oh, not only you. For three days, I couldn't get this blood pressure medication refilled. You know what? You have a lawsuit there, Curtis. Now, you know, you know what the problem is, Eileen? That the CVS, the Dwayne Reeds, the Walgreens have so few personnel now because they've let the looters and the shoplifters run, just run amok in the stores with no ramifications that they can't even get people to work there any longer. It's that bad. I know. And then I have another thought. With these burglars and looters and these high mm, criminals, bad criminals, God forbid we go to war with Russia, instead of sending them to jail... Send them over to Russia. It'll make a mensch or a woman out of them. Then see how they feel. How's mm. about that? Mm. Ah. And also, mm. with the police confiscating these big rifles from the Galdialdis that really don't need them, how about, how's about the police confiscating them and donating them to Ukraine. Oh, oh well, I see. Uh, you're talking a little dirty dozen. Like somehow you're going to get people incarcerated, you're going to cut them loose, and they're going to become good fighters. <laughs> Not. <laughs> They'd probably want to frag you. You know what fragging is? That means, imagine, you got the dirty dozen. And who was the leader of the Dirty Dozen and who were the members of the Dirty Dozen? But they would turn on the leader and they would pull a pineapple, pull a pin out of a hand grenade and frag the leader. You couldn't trust them. Are you kidding? I know it makes for a good movie, the Dirty Dozen. But again, who was the leader of the Dirty Dozen and who were some of the key actors uh, in that movie that gave everyone the idea that you could get guys out of prison and all of a sudden they're going to fight for your country and fight to the bitter end. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al at the Amityville Horror House. Your turn to be heard here on WABC on my 68th birthday, Al. Yeah, Curtis, happy birthday. Listen, Curtis, before I got a great radio show. But first of all, 
couple of things. Don't hang up on me. They're good. Uh, W-A-B-C stands for Wish a Birthday Curtis. Oh, that's very good. Good acronym. Wish a Birthday Curtis. Good, good. Okay. You're on a roll. You're on a roll, Al. And the, the second one is Curtis. Uh, instead of next year, it should be This is My Wife. This is my wife. My wife. And, 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 and Curtis, here's the one to the radio station, which I think is cute. A.M. Talk Curtis. A.M. Talk Curtis. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, it's Instead of A.M. Talk Radio, A.M. Talk Curtis. I like that. Yeah. And Curtis, the last one, the last one. You know something? I was touched. Believe it or not, the last time I saw Anthony, and I remember this like it was goddamn 20 years ago, when he was with the, uh, uh, his dad at the podium at City Hall, whatever it was, and he was pulling his pants shirt. He was pulling, he was, you know, he was making all sorts of sounds and kidding around like a five-year-old kid. Then the other day, I see you with him walking down the street in the city. You were doing whatever you were doing. Here I am, I see this grown man. I haven't seen him since he was five years old. Yeah, he's, uh, he, Al, he's yeah. going he's gonna to end up being taller than his old man. And I'm six foot, about 210. He's going to end up being bigger. I don't know if he's going to have as much weight to uh, rock him and sock him, but he's getting there. 1-800-848-9222 on this, my 68th birthday. The over-under point spread by the wise guys was I wouldn't make it to 28, never mind 68. Let's go to Gary and in Inwood. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Gary. Good morning, Curtis. Two points, if I can, and I'll do them quickly. As far as that song goes, the one-hit wonder with the name Curtis at the beginning? Yes. You don't remember who that was? You mean Cur- Curtis Lee? Yeah. That was you? That was I. Wow. That was I. Wow, Gary, I need to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I appreciate that. And quickly, uh, you want a few names on the cast of the Dirty Dozen? Yes. Yes, please. Lead, the lead was Lee Marvin. Right. Charles Bronson, Telly Savalas, Clint Walker, Creamy Lopez, John Cassavetes, Charles Bronson, to name a few. And remember, one of the first times that uh, Jim Brown, the football star who had retired from the Cleveland Browns in his prime, uh, was in the movies. Absolutely. I don't want to bore you to choose with that. I just wanted to throw that out there. No, 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 no. And remember, if truth be told, if in fact a group like that existed and Lee Marvin was their leader out in the field of battle, Knowing the backgrounds of those guys, as was described in the movie, they would have fragged them. Was he not in the screen? I, I could barely hear you, though. Gary was very good at coming up with the names. But I remember the Dirty Dozen, one of the first appearances of a football player, uh, the Cleveland Browns, originally from, I think it was Farmingdale or Farmingville. Which one was that, ladies and gentlemen, that Jim Brown came out of? And in fact, he was um, NCAA All-Scholastic lacrosse player. Considered a better lacrosse player than he was a football player. And then yet he was one of the best football players of all time. It turns out he was a degenerate in the end. Man, this guy just abused women like there was no tomorrow. But in terms of his sports prowess, great football player. But apparently even a better lacrosse player. What uh, area of Long Island 
did Jim Brown grow up in? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Tom. Calling from Bergen Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tom. Curtis, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you, Tommy. They were talking about, you were talking about marriages and weddings and everything. You know the three rings of one marriage? Huh. What? What? All right. We got the wedding ring. I mean, the engagement ring. Then you got the wedding ring. And then you got the suffering. (laughs) All right. I got to tell you this, though. You got to keep an eye on Camellia. She's a gem. And Uh. I hope to hear her on the radio one day. She, you're going to get her on the radio, right? Now, uh, she has uh, come on from time to time, especially when I mispronounce her name, which I always do. Uh, but you, you think she's a uh, top uh, shelf five-star uh, phone screener? Five-star, five-star. All right, all right. I'll, t- I'll keep that in consideration. Right, I got a consideration for you. Yes. Do you think that Frank, maybe Frank did it on um, to give you recognition? When he took that tape and used it on your show, paid like an homage, homage, whatever. What do you think? Well, wait a second. Let's let's look at that. Uh, Give me that uh, number 23 again. 23 here. Let's let's listen. You listen to. That song, I actually stole that from Curtis. Curtis, uh, he used to do this show. Now, he admitted Tom stealing it. He could have asked me for it. Could have asked me for it. But why did but he, he wanted to surprise by putting it on his show? No, as homage. No, because homage. when I first <laughs> when I first heard it, he said, "Well, you don't own that song," which is true. Oh. Obviously, uh, okay. I, you know, I didn't produce it. I don't have uh, the rights right. to the song. But there's only one copy in existence, and he purloined that from me, my clutter, my my milk crates. Oh. Hold on, Frank said he had some kind of duplicate tape maker thing. He can make you a new tape. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't trust that duplicate tape maker. That's what he was uh, knocking off uh, VHSs out there. He was selling knockoff VHSs. Yeah, it wasn't quite mob-like, but it was close enough. A lot of guys did that in basements, especially Pakistanis all over the tri-state area. Remember they'd knock off VHSs? They'd have produ- production uh, factories in their basements and their garages. one 800 Let's go to Paul calling from Orange uh, County. Your turn to be heard here on this, my 68th birthday at WABC, Paul. Yeah, you've got about Ernest Borgnine, Donald Sutherland, and uh, George Kennedy. Okay, so George Kennedy, great actor. Donald Sutherland, yep. great actor. Oh, Ernest Borgnine, uh, tremendous, tremendous actor. In fact, what was that? Uh, uh, that movie. Side adventure. Right, but he movie where he was the Mameluke, remember, he was the butcher. Uh, he never got married, I think, in the Bronx. And he came home. I think he may have uh, been nominated or won an Academy Award for that. He was really good in that. Really good. Yeah, I just remember him seeing him in the Poseidon Adventure. I know. Good, then- good, 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 good. Uh, look, I missed a few names there. I missed a few names there, but I, I appreciate that, Paul. I appreciate yeah, yeah, you adding you know, to it. George Kennedy was good. At, you know, <laughs> he was shaking his head a lot. But but be honest, and, uh, be honest. All right, uh, Lee Marvin was the leader of this crew yes, of yes. uh, Nordwell's criminals. If they had actually gone into combat, knowing what these guys were telling us about their backgrounds, you know they would have fragged Lee Marvin. They would have. They would have taken a hand grenade and they would have thrown it at Lee Marvin and wiped him out and then they'd gone on their own uh, merry way. 
Yeah, they would have did like they did to that guy from Stripes. <laughs> like took him out of the tower. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. This, you see, that's, that's what Hollywood likes to do. They like to romanticize. They like to use creative license. Giving people the idea that you could take criminals out of jail and say to them, I'll tell you what, uh, you won't have to do an extra two years. You're just going to, here's a gun. Go. It, it doesn't work out that way. It does not work out that way. Anyway, let's go to Sherry and Bayside. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sherry. Yeah, happy birthday, Curtis. That was my mom. She was crazy about you. Uh, she loved you and Rudy and Judge Janine. And we, you know, you get better and better every weekend, um, Curtis. We wish you were on every single night. We can't stand Frank Morano. He he doesn't take calls from people that that disagree with him. He oh, oh so he he likes people who only stroke him. Uh, who only patronize him, who only extol him instead of possibly criticize what he has to say. Yes, yes, honey, uh, yes. And, um, you know, he blames everything on Republicans, and we're sick of this. He, he's not that, you know, he's born, he's 1984, I think, so he's 38 or 39 years old. He's not that well-knowledge in politics. He's not. And uh, he blames everything on the Republicans. We just can't stand him. Now, and a question, though, is do we really know how old Frank Morano is? Yeah, well, it's 1984, I think, May 30th. Yeah, but when, like we're not sure. Just like my <laughs> wife, Nancy. We're not sure. I don't even know how old she is. <laughs> and by the way, uh, uh, quick, uh, you know, tomorrow I'm going to be uh, participating in the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade on yes. Bell Boulevard in Bayside. Yes. Uh, and we might, we'll probably be there. Yes, good, I'll good. The, the parade starts at one, but I'll be there early. I'll be campaigning uh, with uh, Andrew Giuliani to get him to be the next governor of the state of New York. We love Rudy. We love Judge Janine, and we love you. And it's just, you, you get better every weekend. We'll probably be there tomorrow. And to show you how bad the crime problem is. It was incredible that you had people that were squatters at this house in Bayside where they ended up shooting up a guy outside in the car like 19 times. The 111th Precinct had not had one shooting all year long. And now all of a sudden Bayside has a huge crime problem because of these squatters. And they never did. You're absolutely right. Oh, come on. These Democrats cannot... They're a national security risk like all these Democrats, including Joe Biden, who Joe Biden now is giving Iran nuclear weapons so they can destroy Israel. Well, I got to tell you, Sherry, (laughs) listening to our president in Poland today as he was talking to the men of the 82nd Airborne and the women. He's saying, you'll soon find out what, what goes on in the Ukraine. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? What do you mean you'll soon find out? <laughs> You're going to be sending the 82nd Airborne into the Ukraine? And then the White House backtracked from that. But it's clear that President Joe Biden at times cannot chew gum and think at that same moment. Cannot chew gum and think at that same moment. Anyway, let's go to Mel, who's calling from Tom's River. Your turn to be heard here on this, the 68th birthday of yours truly, Curtis Lee. Well, Mel. Curtis, happy birthday, first of all. I know you've seen better days, and 
your your best days are ahead of you, my darling. Oh, well, thank okay? you. Okay, they're you. ahead. Your best days are ahead of you, and I concur with the lady that was just on. I wish you were on every night at midnight. Wow, Frank Morano does good interviews. Oh, I will best. give him that. The best. The really, best. The best. he 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 nails it. He really does. I'm going to give him that. But that's as far as it goes. He needs to keep interviewing. I can't listen to him go on and on and on about his life. I, I turned him off last night because it's a snooze fest. Well, you I see what it is. Know. You see what I, it but is. I don't need to know that 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 Arthur Idalo. He sounds <laughs> like a really nice guy. I don't need to know. You know, the pots and pans of him and Frank's life, that he was almost Frank's best man, that he was almost Godfather to little Carmen. I don't I don't I don't I don't care about that. Yeah, well, I, let I, me I'm tell sorry, let me tell you something. But else. I don't. No, well, let me tell you. First off, this is ironic, right? I'm at Frank Morano's wedding in Staten Island. A lot of people were there. They knew Frank. They knew Rachel, you know, two different families. OK, we're there. And he has his friend Arthur Idala doing everything. I mean everything. And I'm scratching my head and saying, you know, I, I've been with Frank a long time. He doesn't ask me to do anything. Instead, he sits me down. And you know who he sits me down near? John Gotti Jr. No, John Gotti Jr. and all the Gottis and Gambinos. Yeah, and he, he, he seems to go on like that's a badge of honor. He talks about that all the time. Who cares? I, 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 well, I, I really, I really don't, I really don't care. Just stick to interviewing Frank and less about your, your personal life because it's boring. And the first movie Ernest Borgnine was in was called Marty oh, and he won an Oscar. Well, that was so good. That movie. He was a mama Luke. Remember he uh, was a butcher come home. It was like a real Bronx story. It could be Brooklyn. It could be Queens. Anyway, it was he had a hard time getting a date. Yeah, it was, I'm telling you, I love that movie because it was so real. Ernest Borgnine in Marty. Marty! Mel was so right. Frank Morano, top interviewer here at WABC. He may well end up doing uh, interviews on 60 Minutes soon. You know how they always have like a guest interviewer once a month. Uh, as they have that guy. Who is that guy from CNN? Always comes over there like once a month to do interviews. Lousy. Lousy on CNN. Lousy on 60 Minutes. But Frank does excellent interviews, as he did with Paul Manfred, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, and then Roger Stone. He may well be earning a Marconi Award. I know his name has been put into nomination for interviews. But when he talks about, yeah, the other stuff, I got to agree with Mel and Sherry. He's like a dollar short day late. He's trying. He's JV when it comes to that personal stuff. He's JV. He just doesn't. Doesn't have the chops for it yet. Anyway, let's go to Jacqueline uh, calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jacqueline. Good morning, Curtis. Happy birthday. And uh, to alleviate some of your woes in getting your high blood pressure medication, if you've got prescription plan under your medical or health coverage, why don't you just go with Express Scripts? They'll give you a three-month supply. You don't have to go through that. Wow, I didn't know that. Now you do. So hopefully so, it'll work out. Uh, but can you imagine, now that I, I appreciate you giving me that information, but could you imagine I'm online at three different Dwayne Reeds, and they're all telling me 
well, the prescription's for 10 milligrams and you have 5 milligrams as if it was like oxys or uh, it was a narcotic or fentanyl. Can you imagine this, Jacqueline? It's a debacle of the system. I don't have to tell you. And then they wondered why I had high blood pressure. I said, no, just, just trying to get my high blood pressure medicine is driving me nuts. Yep. Get, making it worse. Well, I, I appreciate that, uh, this uh, information. You see, it's not constructive criticism. It's constructive help because I could have been in the ICU over this, my birthday weekend. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Bob calling from Long Beach. Your turn to be heard here on my 68th birthday here at WABC, Bobby. Yeah, happy birthday there, Curtis. Look, here's the thing with the Dirty Dozen. You may not understand. All the guys that were in the in the Dirty Dozen, they committed crimes, but in the military. They were all going to go to fight anyway. They were all trained soldiers, but here's what happened. They went to each one of them and said, look. We, you, you're sentenced to death for what you did. You know, one guy got in a fight. You know, what's his name? Clint Walker knocked the guy out with one punch. He killed him. Another guy did this. One guy was accused of rape. That was Telly Savalas. That maggot was his name. And what happened was they said to them like this. They said, if you go on this mission, there's a good chance you might not come back. But if you do, if you do. You just go right back to your unit. You don't, you don't go to death. You retain your rank, and that's it. And that's why and then they trained them as commandos. He wanted to get them to, to be cohesive. That's why they called them the Dirty Dozen, because they didn't want to shave. And they didn't, as they said, we want hot water. We, we. So Lee Marvin said, ooh, I like that we stuff. He said to them, he said, you're going to shave, you're going to shave in water, and then it that, and then it this, and then it that. And he made them, you're not going to shave, you're not going to bathe, and that's why they got called the Dirty Dozen. Well, oh, Robert me, Ryan me, was also in there. Let too. me give you a, a real-life story of why that wouldn't be done. You had the uh, Colombo, oh, eventually the underboss, cold killer, Sonny Francisi, uh, he was the father of Michael Francisi, who's late about organized crime, and he does podcasts. But Sonny Francisi probably alone killed 50 people, and he would methodically butcher them. Uh, and this guy was drummed out of World War II. Uh, he was going to the Pacific to fight the Japanese, and they said that he was a homicidal maniac, and they drummed them out of the Marines. Now, I thought, gee whiz, you're fighting the Japanese in World War II. You'd want yeah. homicidal maniacs on your side. But they said this guy was so crazy, was such a, uh, a stone-cold killer, Sonny Francisi, that they washed him out of the United States Marine Corps and wouldn't let him go over there and fight uh, the Japanese and kill Japanese in WW2. <laughs> you see that? That You see... That that's 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 real life, Bob. That's not Holly weird. He has a lot of creative license. Uh, let's go to Jim, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on this, the 68th birthday of yours truly, Curtis Lee. With Jim. Good morning, Curtis. We share a birthday. I met you during your campaign in front of La Bella Supermarket on 13th oh, Avenue. Yes, yes. Got your autograph. Thank you, thank which you. Which I have probably displayed on my dining room table, and. Curtis, remember Fractured Fairy Tales? Oh, yeah, Fractured Fairy Tales. Those were great cartoons. And the narrator was 
Hmm. Edward Everett Horton. Wow. Edward Everett Horton. Hmm. That voice was so compelling. Yeah, now, by the way, since you and I share a birthday, March 26th, I'm thinking of three other people whose birthday it is this day, famous, infamous. Do you have any idea who was also birthed on March 26th? I do not. Okay, well, first, you have Diana Ross. Oh, piggy. Uh, then you have uh, Coho Lips, uh, Steven Tyler. Okay. And then you have the guy who tried to sue me when I said that he was affiliated with the Colombo crime family, James Kahn, a.k.a. Sonny Corleone from the Godfather movie. This is the 50th anniversary. This is big three night. Yeah. Now it's big five night. That's right. But anyway. With you, with you and I. And I want you to know, Curtis, that you are our Edward Everett Horton here in Brooklyn. Ooh, wow. Because your voice is so compelling. We mm. tune in and we really want to hear you just spill it all out. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just reminiscing now. Uh, I know it's the Academy Awards on Sunday, and it's not like it used to be. It probably will not be as well watched, uh, as entertaining. It'll be so politically correct and so woke. But uh, that movie by Marty Bornyan, uh uh, what was it? It was Marty by Ernest uh, Ernest Bornine was in it. That was such a great piece about a real life character, which we probably knew many of them in the movie. Uh, I mean, yeah. in real life. Yeah, yeah. Another biggie from Ernest Bornine: "Pay or Die." Uh, that movie. Pay or die. That's what I should be saying to Frank Morano for stealing. My theme song, The Other Side of Midnight. He admitted it the other night on The Other Side of Midnight. He's been holding up the new name of what he says has to be a different name for the weekend version of The Other Side of Midnight. We will make that debut in just uh, 24 hours. Make that 23 hours. And Frank Morano cannot stop it any longer. She can lead you to love. Now, Billy Joe. Who I just have no liking for. Even he knows what a woman is. I would think that would be relatively a simple question to ask. Especially if you had intellect accumulated over years, uh, so much so that it would qualify you potentially, potentially to become a United States Supreme Court justice. First off, a lot of people don't know that you don't have to be a lawyer to be on the United States Supreme Court. You do not have to be a lawyer. Other things. To be the Speaker of the House of Representatives, you don't have to be a member of the House of Representatives. To be the Attorney General of the State of New York, like Tis James, you do not have to be a lawyer. To be a judge in many of the upstate counties of New York State, you do not have to be a lawyer. So sometimes you say to yourself, people who are highly educated, at least uh, they've been to school, have gone to four years of college, grad school, maybe even gotten a PhD, may have all the learning that is required to earn academic credentials, but intellectually they're just stupid. And I've run into so many of them. You know, you get blitzed by the Ivy League resumes and you immediately consider they're the best, not like the rest. 
And having met so many of them over my life and uh, myself being a high school dropout, I look at them and sometimes they are so devoid of uh, normal experiences and common sense that they are guilty of intellectual stupidity. And clearly that was on showcase as Ms. Jackson, Judge Jackson, was going through the Q&A portion of trying to become the next United States Supreme Court justice uh, as uh, nominated by President Joe Biden. So senators had a go at her, but she got hooked up on a question about being a woman. And then all during this past week, it was a fixture of many of our talk shows here at WABC, both uh, the host and hostesses would bring up the topic and people were just couldn't believe that she was stymied, Ms. Jackson, Judge Jackson. A simple question is, uh, can you describe what a woman is? Can you tell us what a woman is? In fact, let's go to the audio tape from the floor of the United States Senate. What I thought would have been uh, an easy out of the ballpark. And yet, she stuttered, stymied, and obviously, clearly did not want to give the common sense answer. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Mm, not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. I'm not a biologist. Well, she clearly is a woman. All she had to do was describe herself. You would have thought, okay, she would have somehow recovered after realizing that not wanting to offend uh, people who are so woke that they can't even figure out what a woman or a man is, that the mass majority of Americans damn well know what a woman is and damn well know what a man is. In fact, it went on to try to define the difference between both genders. Do you agree with Justice Ginsburg that there are physical differences between men and women that are enduring? Um, Senator, respectfully, I am not familiar with that particular quote or case, okay. so it's hard for me to okay, comment but, as to whether. All or right, not. I'd love to get your your opinion on on that, and you can submit that. Do you interpret Justice Ginsburg's? meaning of men and women as male and female. Again, because I don't know the case, I don't know how I interpret it. I need to read the whole okay. thing. I'd have to read. <laughs> it went from the sublime to the ridiculous. Judge uh, Justice Ginsburg no longer with us. Graduated Madison High School in Brooklyn that had produced the schmuck to putz Chuck E. Cheese Schumer. I'd like uh, him to answer that question. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, maybe it, they train people at Madison differently with common sense. Justice Ginsburg was very liberal, very progressive, and yet she defined the difference between a man and a woman. Also, a graduate of Madison High School, of which many of you are graduates uh, who are listening right now, Bernie the Altacaca Sanders. Uh, he should be asked the question, can you define what a man is, Bernie? Can you define what a woman is? And then there's our own uh, graduate of Madison High School, um, 
Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey, who you will hear in just a few hours from 6 to 10. I'm sure if you ask Cousin Brucey, what a woman and what a guy is, he's spun enough stacks of wax about records and, and performers and groups that have dedicated songs to a woman or a man. I think Cousin Brucey could more than easily describe the difference between a man and a woman, as likewise Tony Orlando without Dawn could. But apparently this was a a problem for the nominee, Judge Jackson. And uh, you could tell that Ted Cruz, who attended Harvard Law School and was described by uh, Dershowitz, who was uh, a teacher of many there in law school, uh, as being his best student of all time. Yes, Alan Dershowitz said that uh, Ted Cruz of, Cru- of Texas was his best student of all time. And so he asked the nominee about being a woman. You told her that, that you couldn't define what a woman is, uh, that you were not a biologist, which which I think you're the, the only Supreme Court nominee in history who's been unable to answer the question, what is a woman, let me ask you, as a judge, how would you determine if a plaintiff had Article Three standing uh, to challenge a gender-based rule, regulation, policy, uh, without being able to determine what a woman was? So, Senator, I know that I'm a woman. I know that um, Senator Blackburn is a woman, and the woman who I um, admire most in the world is in the room today, my mother, um, it sounded as though well, but, the but, question but, but, was... But let me ask, under the modern leftist sensibilities, if if I decide right now that, that I'm a woman, um, then apparently I'm a woman. Does that mean that I would have Article Three standing to challenge a gender-based restriction? Senator, to the extent that you are asking me about... Um, who has the ability to bring lawsuits based on gender, those kinds of issues are working their way through the courts, and I'm not able to comment on them. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Ms. Jackson, Judge Jackson, who no doubt will be confirmed to become the next United States Supreme Court Justice, uh, Joe Manchin, a Democrat of West Virginia, said he would vote in the affirmative so she will become a United States justice. But imagine not being able to define the difference between a man and a woman. And then Ted Cruz, Cruz used some uh, legal technology. If, if, if I can change my gender, if I can be a woman, and then an hour later, if I decide I'm not a woman anymore, I guess I would lose Article 3 standing. Tell me, does that same principle apply to other protected characteristics? For example, I'm, I'm an Hispanic man. Could, could I decide I was an Asian man? <laughs> would, would I have the ability to be an Asian man and challenge Harvard's discrimination because I made that decision? Senator, I'm not able to answer your question. You're asking me about hypotheticals and... Um well, I'm asking you how you would assess standing if I, if I came in and said, I have decided I identify as an Asian man. A simple question, right? Say, no, Ted Cruz, you're a Hispanic. We've traced your lineage. You're a Hispanic. You're not Asian. And yet, Ms. Jackson had already wound herself into a tightly knotted ball.
of rubber bands because she did not want to offend the woke out there who are such a minimal, minimal portion of the population. But obviously have a lot of leeway within the Democratic Party. But it became a key topic of conversation as I listen to WABC as much as I can during the weekend. I'm suggesting that you do also. So here was uh, Dominic Carter, heard Monday through Fridays, 12 midnight to 1, uh, talking to one of his callers about knowing what a woman is. So so uh, me and you talking right now, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. You, 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 I, I know you can define what a woman is, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, but it's still my opinion. It's your opinion I mean, of what a woman is. Yeah. Because suppose a guy says only when they get 21 years old. You know, I mean, you know, stuff like that. That's close, but you know what I'm saying? It's all good. All, my mouth is dry. But you no, know no, it's okay, Tom. Baby. It's okay. You're doing, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. His mouth is dry. <laughs> he stumbled a little bit. But he did a hell of a lot better job of answering that question. Then Judge Jackson. Then there was uh, Greg Kelly, who was on Monday through Fridays from 1 to 3. I suggest if you can't listen at that time, you definitely listen to the podcast. He's got attention deficit disorder. He spins on a dime, and he digresses, which makes for a great talk radio program. But listen to Greg Kelly and a caller discuss what a woman is. Muncie in Brielle. Where the hell are you again in New Jersey, Muncie? Yeah, Brielle, Central New Jersey. Greg, when was the last time that someone besides a woman gave birth to a child? I don't understand. Why are we talking about this birthing people? You have to be a woman to give birth to a child, right? Uh, yeah. So I don't understand. (laughs) And the Supreme Court nominee can't define a woman? What's... Am I missing something? You are not missing something. It's as crazy as it seems, my friend. It really is astonishing. I, I, I am at a loss. You know, I could see them, I could see them debating. You know, the term. Oh, what's one that comes up? Uh, the constitutionality of you know forbearance. You know, how do you how do you look at that word? You know, what does that mean to you? But to speak about the word woman, which I guess is of or relating to being female. What is a woman? A woman is a type of human being that can produce eggs and or offspring. Generally, but not always, are substantially hormonally different from men and are of a different composition and are, quite frankly, generally, not always, of course, more caring and more relationship-oriented than men are. Is that sexist, Muncie? No, that's not sexist, no. But I want to understand... What, do, do people think in the future that there won't be men and women? They'll just be birthing people? <laughs> I know. I know, Muncie. You don't have to tell me. I hear you loud and clear. Muncie, in the future, women won't need men even to make a donation in a Petri dish because they'll be able to clone their own. But for right now, can't do it. Can't do it. So Greg Kelly gave a great definition of what a woman is. Again, Judge Jackson, uh, in going through the interview process in the United States Senate, uh, apparently was stymied by that question and didn't want to offend the small number of woke people in America. I mean, it's really small. 
And then finally, Mike Kumbari Cheech, Rudy Giuliani weighed in. Ha! Wait till you hear what Rudy had to say. Obviously, she's not that quick or smart, even though she had these one, this wonderful education. So I would say, do you have any children? And she would say, yes. And then I would say, well, what are they? What do you mean by that? Well, what sex are they? And she would say, I can't tell. Well, what'd she say? They're two daughters. And then I say, well, you see, the two daughters, well, they're like, so when your two daughters get older, they, they're, they're like women. And, um, are you, do you have a husband? She would say, yes. I'd say, well, what is he? What would you call him? I hope she would say a man. I said, now you got it. What's her first name? Kendall? Hey, Kendall, you got it now, baby. So the ones that look and dress and are anatomically outfitted like your daughters are women. And the ones that look and dress and are anatomically laid out or put together like your husband are men. So now we at least have a Supreme Court justice that knows the difference between men and women. Now, if you can't define woman, you think you're qualified for the court? I don't know. I would agree, Michael Baticic, Rudy Giuliani. Boy, would have loved to have seen him if he hypothetically were a U.S. senator cross-examining uh, Judge Jackson uh, in the well of the U.S. Senate. <laughs> it is mind-boggling. How could you allow this woman to be a United States Supreme Court justice when she can't even define what a woman is? What, does she think that if all of a sudden, let's say in this case our, uh, our board operator Izzy decided to announce to everyone here that he identifies himself as a woman, even though Anatomy male and has the full package, you haven't done anything to extricate any of your body parts, you haven't uh, had testosterone suppression, but you're thinking like a woman, you're identifying as a woman, and I guess according to Judge Jackson, you are a woman. Well, not to the rest uh, of society, that's for sure. My God, Madonna, my. Such a simple question, and do you realize how many hours of talk time was uh, taken up with that simple question, where normally in the past... If you had been asked that question on a test and you didn't answer correctly, or you said, I don't know, I'm not a biologist, you would have failed that question. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to Thomas, who's patiently waiting on the line in Mineola. Your turn to be heard here on the 68th birthday of yours truly, Curtis Lewa, on WABC, Tommy. Happy birthday, Curtis. Uh, Jimmy Brown, yes, the question about where he was from. Uh, he went to Manhasset High School. Are you with me, Curtis? Yep, Manhasset High School, okay. And what then was he? He went to Syracuse University. Right, but in Manhasset High School on Long Island, what was he more valued uh, as, a football player or a lacrosse player? I think you're correct about the lacrosse. But, uh, I mean, if you've ever seen him play football, you know that uh, I don't think he could be much better at lacrosse than he was at football. But, you know, he was a lacrosse player. 
And, uh, you know, this uh, uh, woman, uh, yeah, uh, Jimmy Brown grew up in a neighborhood called Spinney Hill on Northern Boulevard, Curtis. Uh, it was uh, a black section between uh, Manhasset and uh, Great Neck. And uh, he was in the Manhasset uh, School District, so that's where he went. To. Yeah, no, magnificent athlete, well-spoken, went on to uh, appear in films. Remember, he left the Cleveland Browns at the top of his game, which is rare, and then started appearing in uh, movies like The Dirty Dozen with Raquel Welsh right. in another oh, film yeah. and, and a number of others. That was a very risque uh, movie, uh, he being African-American and Raquel Welsh uh, uh, being this uh, buxom uh, vixen at the time uh, on the big screen. Uh, but boy, did he have a problem in his life with women. He was abusive. Oh, my. Well, you know, he was accused of uh, a crime at one time. You know that, right? Twice. In fact, uh, uh, oh yeah, twice. Yeah, you uh, probably know more about it than me. But yeah, I well, know there was one uh, apparently was he was uh, in Cleveland. That was his home base with the Cleveland Browns, and uh, he was entertaining a woman in his room in a um, motel or hotel, and threw her off of the yeah, she uh, out the window, right? Right, uh, right out of the uh, second floor, uh, right. the balcony there. Threw her right off of it. Uh, I think she was, uh, he said, luckily she survived. She didn't die. Uh, but yeah. uh, uh, the owner-operator, I believe at that time, was Art Modell, who was originally from Brooklyn. Uh, he owned the Cleveland Browns, uh, and he made all of that go away. Then years later after and he... Modell. Right. And years Modell's later... Sporting goods. No, no, no. No relationship, as far as I know. No oh, relationship. Really? No. Okay. Uh, but uh, years later, after he retired from film, uh, he got hooked up with another woman. And my God, what he did to that woman, and I can't even describe it on the radio, I'll be knocked off the air. And he ended up, if I uh, remember correctly, doing some time for that. He best I ever saw. They would bounce off him, literally bounce yeah. off him trying oh, to take man. him down. He, yeah, he was a giant of the game, there's no question. And again, unlike a lot of other ball players who retire too late until their professional uh, life, he retired, Jim Brown retired at the height of his success on the gridiron. He walked away from the Cleveland Browns to go into film and became very successful in Hollywood, except uh, for uh, his personal problems with women domestically. Oh, my God. What a hot mess. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. On this, the 68th birthday of yours truly, Curtis Lee, on WABC. Let's go to Cornelius in Farmingville. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. He waited on uh, like an hour and a half just to play that little ditty, uh, I guess a tribute to himself, Cornelius. 
That was so lame, so low budget. Although that's something Frank Morano probably uh, would have uh, marveled at. He would have said, oh, technologically, that is really so good. Well, man, that was weak. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Roger in Massachusetts. Your turn to be heard here on the 68th birthday uh, of the time that I came into existence back at Brooklyn Hospital and got slapped on my dupe, and I've been talking ever since, Roger. Well, that sounds good. Congratulations. Uh, I'm about a year and a half behind you. Look, uh, you know, last night I was listening to uh, um, WABC around the 2 o'clock hour, and uh, Frank had a guest on, and uh, they were talking back and forth, and they were talking about uh, Judge Jackson. And um, then he, said, he broke and says, oh, what a, what a treat we have. And uh, Judge Jackson, Jackson apparently is on the phone. So both Frank and his guest posed questions, which she could not, or, or shall I say maybe would not, answer, such as, what is the picture frame? Oh, well, I don't work at... Um, a home goods or whatever, so I'm not, and so I, I can't give a, 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 a definite answer for that. Okay, what's a spoon? Oh, I'm not a kitchen uh, engineer, so I can't, uh, kitchen appliance engineer, so I can't really answer that. And um, and so on and so forth. You know, they, they went down the gamut for, for a little bit, and then abruptly the phone uh, hung up. All right, so anyway, so I thought to myself, you know, for two Wow. You see, uh, Frank Morano. Wait, hold on a second. You're going to have to repeat yourself, Roger, because we lost some of that conversation. So you, we lost you when you said, and I, I said to myself, and pick it up from there. Okay. I said to myself, um, our country has been, you know, 250 years in existence. Uh, we've been using the Webster Dictionary for who knows how long. So it's not our fault that the Supreme Court or the circle of legal experts in our... become a, an advocate for prisoners. You know, he's done a lot of good work late in his life, you know? Yeah, no, no, he has. I've met him on different occasions. Uh, he has uh, uh, definitely uh, been a mentor to gangbangers out in Los Angeles. I think the organization he was CEO of was ACAN or something like that, or ICANN, something like that. Uh, so he's done good work. Uh, when I met him, he's always said nice things about the guardian angels and myself, and he's apparently done good work. But, oh, my God, when it comes to his relationships with women, he has been incredibly abusive. If he weren't Jim Brown, there's no way he would have gotten away with that. Uh, but uh, it is what it is. A complicated guy. Yeah, well-spoken. I mean, a brick house in terms of his physicality. He had the full Best package. Best player I ever saw. Yeah, no, no. Uh, all the Cleveland Browns had to do, I think the uh, quarterback at the time was Milk Plum, hand the ball to Jim Brown. I remember them playing the Giants, uh, a front yeah. line. You had Dick Modulesky right in the middle. Uh, you had Rosie Greer, who at that time uh, was playing for the Giants. Uh, Robustelli and Cat Cabbage. That's right, Robustelli. And all of them had to get jobs in the offseason. They didn't make enough, so they'd have to get a job at a car dealer or a haberdasher or a soup place. 
because they didn't make enough money just playing football. But who was the? I was at the, uh, I was at the game in Yankee Stadium when the Packers beat them for the championship. It was about zero degrees out. You know, everybody had the uh, the cans, the fifty-five gallon drums, uh, um, building flyers in them in the uh, alleyways. You know. Uh, between the seats, you know. Now, who was a uh, uh, little so trivia cold. here? A little trivia here, Thomas. Who was the middle linebacker from the New York Giants who was told by coach, "All you do is you just follow number thirty-two, Jim Brown. Just follow him. I don't care if you do anything else." Sam Huff. That's right, Sam Huff. I think he was originally from West Virginia, Sam Huff, I think. Yeah, or he went to school there, one or the Uh, other. And that's all he did, and all the other outside linebackers did was just follow Jim Brown. And even though they stacked up the front line, they followed him, he would still gain yards. He was the best football player I ever saw, Curtis. Yeah, guys would bounce off him. Almost 75. Country haven't developed a legal, or shall I say legitimate, dictionary that we're all supposed to go by. And it's maybe a little too late in the game for them to start. I mean, I know they'd love to redefine every kind of word that they could, but can you imagine that? In other words, oh, maybe in some instances you would need a legal definition of something, legal definition. Well, they better darn come up with some kind of a, um, uh, a, a dictionary for all of us then because we all communicate in a certain language. And um, and we thought our judges communicated in the same language that we communicate in. So they better hurry up and get a, a new dictionary, make a, you know, new dictionary for us. We all well, well Roger, Roger, having been in yeah. court on many, many occasions, probably more so than the average man or average woman and most people listening now, uh, I've been in criminal court probably 100 times, civil court about third, no, nah, make that 50 times. And they do speak in a different language. Judges will summon the lawyers over. They'll call it a sidebar. They talk in a language even when you're privy to hear it as either the uh, accused, the defendant, uh, whatever your position is there, uh, sitting next to the attorneys, or even if you're part of the peanut gallery. And it is a language specifically so that you won't know what's going on. So it's only them and the attorneys. That's that's how they keep this this little legal game going so that we're on the outside looking in, Roger. Yeah, but then, you know, I was just thinking while you are talking, she could have at least uh, um, given the legal, if there was a legal definition for a woman, uh, she could have at least given that to the senator that was trying to determine whether she should be yeah. uh, confirmed or not. Right? But Roger, there, there Roger, I was yeah. I was concerned that she gave other answers to Frank Morano and his guests that also were confusing. Well, she she wouldn't answer the definition of a spoon. She wouldn't answer the definition of a picture frame uh, uh, or um, a man. Uh, no, the question was male. And she asked, "Are you talking about the mail from the post office, or?" And and they asked her both. Now she did answer with regards to mail from the post office, but all she did was describe it. So that wasn't really a definition either, which shows you know, a little bit of fallacy there. Um, I, I, it seemed it, I wound up walking away feeling it, it seemed fishy. It happened in the two o'clock hour. I mean, yeah, well, I, I, always, Roger. 
I am I am uh, definitely going to go back and listen to it. Uh, that's why I need all of you to listen to Frank Morano one to five uh, from Mondays through Fridays uh, because I can't listen to it all. A lot of times I'm out on patrol with the Guardian Angels. We'll be talking about that up next in the three o'clock hour. Uh, our crime rates here now are worse at all different levels, and they even were under Bill de Blasio. And supposedly Eric Adams was going to be the law and order mayor. Huh? Uh, we'll discuss that in the 3 o'clock hour. But I got to give uh, Frank uh, credit here. Roger actually believed that Judge Jackson was calling in to the show about 24 hours ago, and they were asking uh, her to give the definition of a spoon, of a male, and other things. Wow, that's great theater of the mind. My God, Frank Frank Ronald's getting good at not just doing interviews. That is brilliant. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that, as you all can, on the podcast. You go to wabcradio.com. That is brilliant theater of the mind. Hey, this guy, uh, Frank Morano's really getting good now. The best interviews... And now actually having a woman call in to him and his guest. And Roger seemed very bright, very intelligent from Massachusetts, assuming that was Judge Jackson, the United States Supreme Court nominee of uh, President Joe Biden. Wow. He's getting real good. I got to give Frank credit. I don't often give him credit for, for that one. Man, that's a slam dunk. 1-800-848-9222. You know, it was just the anniversary of Tony Orlando without Dawn's show. First year anniversary, he's on in just a few hours. Right after Cousin Bruce, he was on from 6 to 10. It's Tony Orlando from 10 to 12. And in listening to many of his shows, because it comes on right before me at 12 midnight, he had uh, maybe the best interview I've ever heard of Frankie Valli of the Four Seasons. And obviously... Uh, the mastermind and creator of the Jersey Boys, that great musical uh, that uh, came on to Broadway and then uh, went across the nation in road shows. Uh, really, really great interview and uh, was spending all the classic Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Uh, so a salute to Tony Orlando. That's for sure, boy. Boy, these guys are really doing good interviews here. Frank Morano, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone. Uh, just up for a Marconi Award. Boy, that's the most prestigious award you can get in this radio business. And then Tony Orlando's uh, great interview with Frankie Valley of the Four Seasons. I mean, so much about his life and times that I was completely unaware of. And I, I was a fan of Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons because I hated most of the British groups coming over. I was a purist. Wasn't so much uh, into Jay Black and the Four Americans, although what a set of pipes Jay Black had who recently passed away. Uh, and then, oh, the Planetones uh, that spun off of that. Well, great, 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 great music, great music. Uh, but what, well, that was a great, great interview. Anyway, uh, back to the phones we go on this, the 68th uh, birthday for yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. And we're discussing what a woman is. In all my years in talk radio, about 32, I've discussed a hell of a lot of topics. I've discussed uh, about uh, voluptuous uh, women, women of great intellect, 
women who have been high achievers and women who have had infamous uh, careers from Mae West, who used to entertain uh, actually uh, near the piers of Canarsie. This is way back uh, before the Depression. The piers of Canarsie, when they had a little bit of an amusement park there. And uh, to the madams that we have seen surfaced, including the one madam who actually ran for governor against Andrew Evilized Cuomo, whose campaign manager was Roger Stone. So we've discussed a panoply of issues involving women in all my years that I've done talk radio. And some of my co-hostesses have been women themselves. Rita Cosby, uh, Jet Set Juliet. Uh, my wife at the time, uh, Angels in the Morning, uh, Lisa, who is now Lisa Evers uh, from Channel 5. Uh, gee, I've had a number of other uh, female co-hostesses over the years. But we never ended up describing the definition of what a woman is. And uh, Judge uh, Jackson was incapable of describing what a woman is. So let's go woman to woman to Mary in the East Village. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mary. Hi, Curtis. A happy birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you. And happy Greek Independence Day. Ah, yes, of course. And I remember meeting you some years ago in Stromboli's Pizza in the East Village where I got a signature on a petition against the sugary drinks. That was, um, remember him, the May, um, Sir, Sir Bloomberg? He has a royal title now. Yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, remember, he was against, uh, uh, any, any, uh, any sugary sodas at that time. In fact, Governor David Patterson was a regular contributor to John Katzmatidis' uh, 5 o'clock roundtable and is also, uh, the stepfather to my oldest son, Anthony. Remember, he wanted to put a tax on those sugary drinks. So, yeah, you had Governor Patterson and you had uh, Mayor Bloomberg, who was really trying to sort of uh, uh, work the sugary drinks out of existence. I know. You know, he is a knight of the British Empire now. He is. Uh, I guess he bought that, too, like everything in his life. And he ran for the uh, Democratic uh, president uh, ticket. Uh, with a royal title, which is against the Constitution. <laughs> but, you know, when all was said and done, uh, when he was on that stage, even with his billions, and he had uh, bought his way into that primary, uh, Elizabeth Warren eviscerated him twice. I mean, oh, good for her. She pulled out, uh, she pulled out that, uh, that samurai sword, like uh, in the movie Kill Bill, and she eviscerated him twice. <laughs> you had two sets of guts. <laughs> That's for sure. About a woman, yes, you know, yes. they asked this um, this person uh, who they're now going to stick us with on the Supreme <laughs> Court. Uh, a woman is simply an adult human being, a female adult human being. That's a woman. That's all she had to say. But if you, you know, notice, she, she stopped. She was uh, calculating who would I offend by answering this in a normal way. Oh, total political animal. Yeah, I know. But That's... imagine how many people out there. I mean, you go up to average everyday people, males or females, or even people in transition. And you say, what is a woman? What is a male? A man. And they, they no problems addressing that. 
except for this very small segment of society. I call them the followers of AOC, All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, the uh, Democratic Socialists, uh, the Justice Warriors. They have all these terms, you know, he, she, they, them, you know, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? It's almost like they've created a new language, and if we don't follow their language, we're persona non grata. I know, they'll blacklist us. Yeah. Oh, it's disgusting. I can't wait until they go out of style. Well, I want to salute you, Mary, for being a woman who knows what the hell a woman is. Oh, thank you, my darling. Can thank I you. just say one more thing before you disappear? Of course. Uh, it was that this our wonderful president, Biden, apparently, well, I heard this twice, he's talking about getting us into the new world order. Oh, a new world order, yeah. new new age. I remember I was in that new age magazine, and they accused me and the guardian angels of being the karate chopping uh, uh, battalion for new ages, and it caused me all kinds of grief as I traveled the country, uh, creating guardian angel chapters amongst evangelicals, charismatics, who had read a book by a Constance Cumby who had come out of the suburbs of Detroit and had labeled me a New Ager, leading a battalion of karate chopping and karate kick throwing New Agers as we were trying to fight our way into the mainstream of society. And boy, did that give me grief with uh, evangelicals and charismatics. Uh, It was a book by Constance Cumby. Oh, what a pain in the tuchus she was to me. What uh, Highland Park, I remember she gave a lecture in Highland Park, which is a one-square-mile city in Detroit. Uh, just like uh, there's another one-square-mile city in Detroit. This is like uh, jelly donuts. Imagine having two uh, spots of jelly in a donut, two separate spots. Highland Park uh, and the other, which is a predominantly Polish city. Let's get into the trivia mode. I seem to know what the answers are. Uh, One of these cities, one square mile, in the middle of Detroit, has a statue of Pope Pope, uh, John Paul. The other city is where the uh, Model T was invented by Ford. They're only one square mile, each city, and they're cities within a city. I've never seen anything like that before in all my travels across the United States. Two small cities within the big city of Detroit. You know what I'm talking about. What is the name of that other city that is predominantly Polish? That, in fact, oh, yeah, it's a little. King Coleman Young, who had been uh, mayor for life there and threw me into the Detroit House of uh, Corrections for 10 days. He actually um, ordered bulldozers to bulldoze down a Roman Catholic Polish uh, church with the parishioners inside. They had to be uh, extricated uh, so that they could build a brand new Cadillac plant there. They call that urban renewal. Yeah, they knocked down a church. 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W.A.B.C., and in that city, when you went there, you had some of the best uh, pierogies uh, and uh, (laughs) glotchkis, the Polish wonders, and pierogies.
1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, uh, if we can, to Joy. Calling from Astoria, your turn to be heard here on my 68th birthday at WABC, Joy. Hi, good morning, Curtis. This is Joy, and I want to wish you a healthy, happy birthday. Uh, and good wishes to you and your little babies at home. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> okay. You. Thank um, the reason I'm calling it is is to put on your uh, start of your show, possibly. It's your turn with Curtis Leeway. Hmm, hold on a second. It's it's your dawn. it's your turn with Curtis Leeway. Yeah. Okay. Or midnight till dawn oh, with I like Curtis. That. I like that. And let's see, uh, you know how that goes. Now, I'm sure, I, you have many, many other. I oh, many. Uh, uh, there were uh, on last count three hundred and eighty-five suggestions. This was all wow. based uh, on the fact, Joy, that uh, Frank Morano had had a hissy fit and declared <laughs> that I could no longer uh, call it the other side of midnight weekend edition. I'm sure many other callers that listen to you must uh, hysterical like I was tonight when you call him yeah. Mama Luke yeah, yeah. when he goes on and on with a conversation. Yep. But this is <laughs> the problem, Joy. This is I the was problem. Laughing. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, we have all 380 of these suggestions that are in an office uh, that is further away from our studio. The furthest part. It's I wouldn't call it a safe area. Uh, it's not like you have to have a combination to get in, but it's well, well guarded, uh, a secure location. And tomorrow, Frank Morano is going to go in that room and he and he alone is going to choose the name for my show. Only him. Now, how do you like that, that hubris? How do you like that chutzpah, that huevos, that culions? Can you imagine that, Joy? Imagine, I can't imagine. He's good on certain subjects, oh, and you're, you're good on all subjects. Let's put it that way. Right, but he's uh, he is the number one interviewer here at WABC. Joy, after his back-to-back interviews with Roger Stone uh, and then Paul Manafort, who at one time actually were business partners, uh, it earned him a nomination for the prestigious Marconi Award. Both uh, both interviews went uh, virtual all over the world. And the interview with Roger Stone actually caused uh, YouTube to remove us temporarily from their channel, meaning WABC. And the suits, the mockers, the muckety-mucks, they didn't get upset at all. Our owner and operators, John and Margot Katzmatidis, they rallied around the Frank Morano flag. They praised him. They extolled his virtues. You would have thought that he was Nathan Hale. I have but one life. To give for WABC. You would have thought that Frank Morano was the new Nathan Hale. By the way, where is the Nathan Hale statue, ladies and gentlemen? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to Michael, who's calling from his boudoir, his bedroom. Is this true, Mike? Yes, this is braggadocio, Michael. Ah, from your remember bo- I gave you that one. Yeah, but from your boudoir. No, I didn't say boudoir. She said, "And uh, who is this? And where are you calling from?" I said, "This is Michael. I'm calling from my bedroom." Ah, very specific. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Let's let's lay that to rest. Um, you know, there was one question that they could have asked two questions they could have asked this candidate nominee 
excuse me, Judge, uh, what's her name? Katanji? Olatanji? Olatunji? Okay. Uh, Judge, um, let me ask you something. Why are you here today? She said, well, I'm, I'm nominated to be uh, Supreme Court Justice. I see. And what did uh, President uh, say <laughs> before you were nominated? I, I don't know. Well, let me tell you. He said he was going to nominate a black woman. Hmm. So do you feel that he was telling an untruth at that time? Well, I don't know what you mean by that. Well, he said he was going to be nominating a woman. But you're not sure if you could call yourself a woman. Ah. Is that correct? Well, you know, excuse me, Your Honor, this is not a hypothetical. This is for real. Well, I'm not a biologist. <laughs> okay. Um, and in conclusion, uh, Miss Nominee, uh, because I be the nominator, you be the nominee. So, in conclusion, um, may I ask you what sports do you participate in? In college. Oh, I did this and that. Well, there's one other recreational activity that you have proven yourself to be quite adept at. Oh, and what is that, Senator? Well, I would say you have an excellent talent for dancing because <laughs> you have danced around every question that my colleagues and myself have asked you. Brilliant. Brilliant. That was that. Brilliant, Michael. And by the way, uh, for what basically is a very bright woman, to be stymied by that and then to be given opportunities to recover and not to take advantage of one of those opportunities, it's mind-boggling. But this is, this is what we've got. The other thing that they could have done, which I, I had forgotten to mention, is uh, your your honor, um, I would like to mention some quotes from previous hearings and then read off some of that nasty SOB Biden's quotes when he was uh, going after uh, um, Judge Thomas. Yes. Oh, yes. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I remember... I remember that. Oh, Judge Thomas. What did they describe him as having a pubic hair on a Coke can uh, when he was at Yale uh, Law School? Long Dong Silver, they called him. Anyway, to the phones we go. It's Dave calling from uh, That Mistake by the Lake, Cleveland, Ohio, home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. Happy birthday, Curtis. We love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, partner, you know, I got to say, I mean, it's all kidding aside. You know, the psalm says, remove not the old landmarks. And, you know, we're the, this next generation, or what do you call it, Generation X or whatever, the uh, millennials or whatever, 
you know, when I was a young fellow in the 80s, you could look up in an Oxford Dictionary, you could look up definitions of things. Then, kindly, about, like, the 1990s, now we look on the computer for this. And now this generation, they look to the media for definitions of things. And now, like everything after the scandemic, you know, it's like now they are the definition. And then, once again, who becomes they? All of a sudden, you know, our assets are transferred to Chinese accounts, and they don't even need to fire a shot. We're all of a sudden, we're just governed by uh, China as a proxy state. And that could easily happen in 10 or 15 years. Wow. See what happens when you drink the water out of Lake Erie? Whether you're in Buffalo, whether you're in Erie, Pennsylvania, or Cleveland. Um, be very easy. Academy Awards is Sunday. No doubt Frank Morano and his wife Rachel will be glued to the uh, TV screen. I really couldn't care. Although I hear that uh, Thunder Thighs, Beyonce, whose hair is always blowing in the wind, even when there is no wind, and uh, the other Thunder Thighs, Lady Gaga, may not be able to appear because they've been diagnosed as being COVID-19 positive. Now, I think in the case of Beyonce, you could point to that picture and say, that's a woman. Uh, the picture of Lady Gaga, you could say, that's a woman. And you would be correct. I don't think you have to anatomically analyze them, although... There are some transvestites who are, they've fooled quite a few guys over the years. I don't know if Izzy was one of them or some of your pals, Izzy, when all of a sudden you'd be raising the roof and the guy or, quote, the woman you thought was a woman was really a guy. Ah! Anyway, let's go to Helena, who's calling from South Orange. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Helena. Hi there. First of all, happy birthday and many, many more. As we say, uh, 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 120. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I was debating whether to speak or to talk to you about uh, Frank of the Moranos or about Frankie Val- uh, Frankie Val in Four Seasons, and I opted for the latter. Um, I taught in Vailsburg. Yes, Vailsburg. In uh, Newark. Over 20. 20- yes, right. the only. The only Vailsburg. I know, but by the pool. Yeah, I know, but Helen, understand we have a lot of listeners. It would not uh, have known that Vailsburg was in Newark. I was just trying to connect oh, the okay, dots. For them. Okay, the school by the pool. If you know where that is. Yes, I do. Okay, um, one day, Frankie Valley in Four Seasons came to visit our school, our little school, and actually. Uh, well, our principal probably arranged it. One of my kids was a terrific drummer. And he called the kid up to the stage. That kid, everybody thought they were listening to Jim Cooper. Wow. The golden the golden arm. Remember Frank Sinatra, the golden arm there? Yeah. But to listen to this kid play the drums, you'd think you were listening to Gene Cooper. And, and he was playing with the band. Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons there in the auditorium of that school in Valesburg. Yes. The school by the pool, not Valesburg High. No, the school by the, the pool. The school by the pool. Yeah, well, you know, they had uh, all kinds of uh, dolphins who were in the school by the pool. There were mermaids. 
At least we were told they were mermaids. They didn't look like mermaids to me or sirens. You know how some of these femme fatales, you could tell they were women. You weren't woke back then. You could tell these sirens were women. And they would get you into double trouble. Now, years ago, the sirens would be off on the rocks. And as my father would say as a merchant seaman for 54 years, the sirens would lure the merchant seamen into the rocks. They would crash into the rocks and go down to Davy Jones's locker. But there were many sirens out there who are not mermaids, who are not on the rocks in the ocean or in the ports, but rather were walking around or driving around. And I got to tell you, a number of guys listening right now said, I might not have been a merchant seaman. I might not have shipped out to sea, but I got lured uh, into a uh, a honey, a honey pot by a siren who took me for everything I was worth and more. Uh, anyway, up next, I promised BJ a cameo appearance. And boy, he gave a stunning, a stunning call into Bo Snurdly's uh, program. Earlier this week, in addition to a plethora of other callers who are giving Mayor Eric Adams the Bronx cheer. Great song. Who did this song, ladies and gentlemen? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Really good song. And in fact... On this, my 68th birthday today, I am christening this the theme song for Mayor Eric Adams. Blinded by the light. And it all came to me the other night in our crime crisis here in New York City. Where subway crime is up 100%, street crime is up 68%. This is from the so-called law and order, Eric Adams. And I saw him at the show for Ralph Lauren styling and profiling some suit, some shoes, and what looked like some kind of partial garb that looked like it could have been either tiger skin or zebra skin or something like that. It was He wasn't fully clothed in that, but it was a bizarre look. Some of you may have seen it as I did. And might try to explain to me what the hell that garb was. And I'm saying to myself, this guy Eric Adams has totally been blinded by the lights. He loves the paparazzi. He loves to be with the trendoids, the freakazoids, the jet setters. During the campaign, he couldn't have spent any more time as he did out in the Hamptons getting wine dined in pocket line and talking about how he had a 10-year plan to run for the presidency of the United States. He said it openly at some of his fundraisers. Now they have scaled that back. His uh, handlers, main handler is a guy named Frank Carone, who uh, grew up in the Canarsie area. I'm telling you, (laughs) we're talking corruption central with the Kings County Brooklyn Democratic machine. He was their lawyer, need I say more. But uh, now they have a four-year plan recognizing that President Joe Biden is impaired and will not be able to seek uh, another four-year term. No, no, it just it ain't going to happen. And realizing that Vice President Harris has uh, been relegated to the sidelines because she just is not ready for primetime. 
uh, Eric Adams and his handlers, they've pumped him up into believing that he is the new face of the Democratic Party. As the law and order mayor, who now we're approaching three months, the first hundred days, the honeymoon will be over. And there's more crime, more crime now than there was during any of the weeks of the failed Bill de Blasio administration. I mean, think of that. Where the hell is the law and order mayor? And uh, there is a series of decisions that he has made back-to-back, belly-to-belly, that has really impaired his own mayoralty. But, hey, look, I warned everybody. I said this guy hangs out at Club Zero Bond, a private uh, members-only club down in uh, Soho. And that's where you come to do business with him and wine, dine, and pocket line, Eric Adams uh, and his appointees. And he continues to do business uh, behind the closed curtains. Also, the Sugar Hill nightclub over in Brooklyn. Those are the two spots you can find them at night because he loves to sample the nightlife. But if you want to find a theme song for the short mayoralty of Eric Adams, it has to be Blinded by the Light. Absolutely. Because the guy just loves walking the red carpet, loves being with the Trendoids, Freakasoids, Jet Setters, uh, the Hedge Fund Monsters, the Fortune 500 Wall Street crew, the crypto uh, <laughs> profiteers. <laughs> he was down in Miami with the crypto profiteers. He was in Washington. He was in Chicago with Mayor Lightweight, a.k.a. Lightfoot, to learn about Battling crime in Chi-Town, which has the worst record of all in America. And it just seems he likes to go on tour, likes to go on junkets, likes to uh, go on the red carpet, sample the nightlife, but hasn't done anything about the crime situation. In fact, let's go to his own words as we go to the audio tape. We enforce these elements in these rules. No more smoking, no more doing drugs, no more sleeping, no more doing barbecues on the subway system, no more just doing whatever you want. Now that I said, yeah, all right, he's flexing. Can I hear that one more time? Is he one more time? We enforce these elements in these rules. No more smoking. Yes. No more doing drugs. Yes. No more sleeping. Yes. No more doing barbecues on the subway system. Well, I don't no know more about just that. doing whatever you want. <laughs> I don't know about barbecues. But I give him the benefit of the doubt. It sounded like he was going to get tough. He was going to crack down. Yeah. Finally. And then he ruined it like he always does. Listen to what he had to say right after that. After we thought he was going to crack down on all these quality of life violations. This is about arresting a problem. We're not going to be heavy handed. We're not saying if you break a minor infraction that we're going to put handcuffs on you. We're going to correct the conditions. What? That's what we're going to do in this plan. So that you see one minute you feel like, wow, he's ready to crack down on crime. Recognizing that if you don't deal with the um, if the broken windows theory, which he is now mentioning, which was Rudy Giuliani's, and by the way, he's yet to meet with Rudy Giuliani. He's met with Andrew Evilized Cuomo. What the hell could he do uh, to help him in terms of battling this uh, upward spiral of crime in the city? And he had a uh, lunch with Shamu. 
El Jefe, Chris Christie, uh, over at, uh, what was that? At uh, Trendoid uh, Restaurant on the Upper East Side there. That is uh, Scotto's. That's right, he was there. Uh, he's uh, there quite a bit. Uh, what the hell was uh, Chamu El Jefe Chris Christie going to do to give him advice about driving down this uh, escalating crime rate? The person who knows is Rudy Giuliani. Can you go to that first cut again? Uh, no more barbecues, all right? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. We enforce these elements in these rules. No more smoking. No more doing drugs. No more sleeping. No more doing barbecues on the subway system. No more just doing whatever you want. Good. Now, who did that? Mike Kumbadichich, Rudy Giuliani. Nobody can deny that. He took his city that had 2,000 murders a year, the murder capital of America, the crime capital of America under David Dinkins, and in eight years made it the safest big city. And it all started with zero tolerance, quality of life issues and enforcement, and broken window series. So, you could tell Rudy in advance, Rudy, don't discuss Dominion, Smartmatic, don't discuss the uh, election results because we disagree, uh, don't discuss the Hunter uh, Biden laptop because we disagree. Just stick to talking about crime, which is what Rudy is best at. He hasn't even invited him over for hors d'oeuvres. And then, and then, on Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. James Golden's show, which you can listen to Monday through Fridays from 4 to 5, right before the Cats Roundtable discussion at 5 p.m. By the way, James Golden, a.k.a. Bull Snurdly, will be on in a few hours at 7 o'clock. He's gotten an extra hour. You can listen to him this morning, 7 to 10. So you get an additional hour of Bo Snurdly. But, oh, boy, BJ just busted loose on uh, not the law and order mayor that many of you thought he would be, Eric Adams, but the no law and disorder mayor that Eric Adams has become. Uh, His Highness Mayor Eric Adams should come out of his apartment in Fort Lee in his wonderful, (laughs) wonderful, beautiful wardrobe with his wonderful, great police force. And he should fix the crime rate before he does anything else. He is the 21st century Daffy Duck. Mine, mine, all mine. He's the most unaccessible, unaccountable foppy fool we have ever had as mayor. He puts them all to shame, including Dinkins, Bean, Lindsay. There's full of George Lazenby's in there that uh, ah. didn't even matter. And I'm just, I, I, when are Democrats going to wake up, Bo? I don't know when Democrats are going to wake up. Now, you talked about something that I noticed the other day. He was talking about his police. They better not mess with my police. Then he went on the road to Chicago, and he said that he's going to all across America to talk to my mayors. I'm going to talk to my mayors. This guy, I mean, everything is his. My mayors, my police. Yeah, well, you know what else is his? This high crime rate. And you have got a great point. Wow, BJ teamed up with Bo Snurdly. Bo Snurdly, to his credit, was giving Eric Adams enough time to establish his administration. I, not so much, obviously. Some people have said, well, you're angry because you lost Eric Adams. Well, that may be true. But even I thought that Eric Adams would do a better job than the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, (laughs) Bill de Blasio, but he hasn't. That's amazing. 
I was on Newsmax uh, earlier on Friday night, and I said to everyone, can you imagine this? He's doing a worse job than Bill de Blasio, and even they scratched their head and said, well, he thought he'd, he'd do better than that. And then BJ had lit the wick of the TNT stick of dynamite of Bo Snurdly and James Golden because on that very day that he called Thursday, I had been out at City Field early on with uh, gubernatorial candidate Andrew Giuliani, son of Michael Mbaticic, Rudy Giuliani, who's running for the Republican nomination to be the next governor, and I'm supporting him for that. And we were there to support the civil servants who got dished and dismissed by Mayor Adams when he sided with the millionaire ball players and performers in Broadway versus uh, the hero, essential, uh, essential worker, civil servants, who got fired if they didn't get the vaccine. Every week that goes by, this man becomes a bigger disappointment. And today is perhaps one of the the days that is most disappointing with the new mayor. Today, Mayor Eric Adams exempted the city's athletes and performers So the entertainment class and the sports class were exempt from New York's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. There have been weeks of news stories about the Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving, who was not playing home games because he refused to get vaxxed. So today at Citi Field, joined by executives from the Mets and the Yankees, Mayor Eric Adams let it be known that he was signing an exemption, a waiver, a pass for professional athletes and for other entertainers. The mayor said being healthy is not just about being physically healthy, but being economically healthy. He prefaced his move by saying, I'm going to make some tough choices. People are not going to agree with some of them. I must move this city forward. Generals lead from the front. I was not elected to be fearful, but to be fearless. This isn't fearless. This is this is discriminatory, and it's ridiculous. There's nothing fearless about it. In fact, it's rather cowardly, Mr. Mayor. Well, most nerdly, a.k.a. James Golden, who I've known for many years, came out of Queens, was a phone screener for Rush Limbaugh when they shared studios at the old WABC, 32nd Street, 7th Avenue, 17th floor. So I got to know him real well. Actually did a program on the weekend, some minorities with priorities. It starred James Golden and Joel Santisteban. Joel Santisteban, who worked in the traffic department for many years at WABC, uh, lived right near uh, the other side of Broad Channel on the Long Island side of uh, JFK, the other side of uh, Hamilton Beach. Uh, no, no, not the blender, Hamilton Beach next to uh, Howard Beach and Cross Bay Boulevard. Uh, and they did a great show on the weekends. Minorities with priorities, Joe Santisteban, Cuban-American, and James Golden, African-American uh, from Southeast Queens. Great show. So he's got the New York City chops. And boy... He got started on Eric Adams, and then he went right into it about civil servants. The city sweeping vaccine mandates 
which led to the firings of more than 1,400 city employees, will still apply to both municipal and private sector workers. So you see, those who work for the city and those who work in private enterprises around and in the city are still not exempt from these mandates. However, the mayor just elevated two classes of people that apparently he holds in higher regard than the citizens that trudge day in and day out in and out of New York City to make this city function. But no, to this mayor, traveling athletes who come here to play a game, to bounce a ball and put a ball through a hoop, or to sing, to dance, however it is to entertain people, their lives are more important, their economic lives are more important to Mayor Eric Adams than yours. Those of you who do the real work of keeping this city going. This is a disgrace. Brilliant. This is not logical. This is asinine. Brilliant. By the way, uh, Bo Snerdly, a.k.a. James Golden, was just getting started. <laughs> he, he, he was whining. You could hear it. You can hear the the viscosity in his voice just starting to get higher and higher as he started to comment about things in his hometown where he grew up, New York City. Things in New York City are not going to get better, not under Adams. Uh, it's going to take the next mayor, hopefully Republican, maybe independent, will be hopefully an independent or a Republican who is either African-American or Hispanic. The Republican Party has got to wake up and get a solid performer to be the next mayor in New York. Uh, Adams is going to fail miserably. You know, I love Curtis Lewa, uh, but I don't think he had the chops to be a good mayor. You have the chops to be a good mayor. What? I didn't have the chops to be a good mayor? That call it dissed me. Here it is. He slammed Eric Adams, rightfully so. Bo Snardley was somewhat quiet there. Instead of coming to my defense, hey, uh, I'm going to be listening to Bo from 7 to 10 uh, in a few hours. I think I'm going to be giving my very dear friend, Bo Snardley, a call. How come you didn't stand up for me right there, Bo Snardley? I knew you when you were the phone screener for Rush Limbaugh. I knew you when you hosted Minorities with Priorities on the weekend Saturdays with Joel Santisteban, who is from Traffic. Great show, I might add. But I'll give him a little slack. He's on in approximately a little less than four hours from now. Maybe he'll amend that, especially now that it's my birthday. Maybe I'll say, oh, so... By not saying anything that uh, to that caller of yours, that Curtis Lee didn't have the chops to be mayor, maybe that meant you were silently in agreement. And then he took off after Eric Adams again. Um, I made a decision based on the information that I received uh, from my health team. You may consider this a double standard. Uh, I'm, I consider the analysis that I made, and I'm comfortable with my decision. Oh, and he went on and on today about that. Uh but I'm going to tell you the real deal of what happened with that whole decision-making process um, of why Eric Adams first vacillated, 
kept playing the game. Oh, I really want Kyrie uh, to play. I want the Nets to do good. You know, all that bullfeather stuff. What, in fact, he maintained what was the original edict of uh, the failed mayor, Comrade Bill de Blasio, who allowed a double standard to exist. So that means that Kyrie Irving, who refused to get the vaccine, would have to sit at first, not even go into Barclays Stadium for home games. But now he actually sits for home games. And a visiting player, let's say uh, visiting players coming in from the Chicago Bulls and they're not vaccinated, uh, they get to play. That's, that's crazy. Uh, by the way, Kyrie Irving gets to practice uh, with the Nets over in Sunset Park. They have this huge brand new facility and he gets to practice, although he's not vaccinated. And you say to yourself, come on, Eric, just let everybody go back to work. Just let everybody not have to be vaccinated. And for the civil servants who were heroes that you uh, and Bill de Blasio turned into zeros, give them back pay and let them get their families back together. Because when they decided not to get the vaccines, a lot of people don't realize this. They could not qualify for unemployment and in that period of time when they were on the shelf they could not seek more other employment so it was like um, it was like slings and arrows so this is what and I know the backstory here because I ran against Eric Adams and I had to deal with all these characters who were whining dining and pocket lining him with special pack money so not only did he have more money of me than than I did to run the campaign in the general election and also his primary from donors, but he had packs that were put together, which is unlimited amounts of money from the wealthy to do whatever he wanted to do in his campaign. And uh, Stephen Cohen, who is the owner of the Mets, by the way, should have been in jail for inside training information. In fact, he was on the ropes. He had to give up his license. He had to pay a huge fine to then Preet Pahara, U.S. attorney for the Southern District. But Preet Pahara let him off the ropes. Let him off the ropes. And the guy continues to make billions and billions of dollars. Now, Met fans like him because unlike uh, the Will Ponzi's, who uh, would throw nickels around like manhole covers because they were on the verge of going bankrupt, uh, Steve Cohen has said he'll spend whatever money is necessary and pay the luxury tax to ensure that the Mets uh, become world champions. So, of course, Mets fans like that. So they forgive all of his indiscretions, of which there were many. But Stephen Cohen gave one and a quarter million dollars to a special PAC put together to elect Eric Adams mayor. Now, as we were approaching opening day in Yankee Stadium, and in uh, City Field, although I'll always refer to it as Shea Stadium, as even Eric Adams says, who uh, identifies himself as a Met fan, uh, at City Field, you know damn well, he got that call from Stephen Cohen, who said, hey, pal, remember, I gave you one and a quarter million dollars. That's a lot of money in your pack, which uh, had no restrictions in terms of how you could spend that compared to money from other donors. Uh, it's time for a little quid pro quo. If I don't have six or seven of my key ball players, because they didn't uh, tell us who was not vaccinated on the Mets, how am I going to field a competitive team every time we come back to City Field to play home games? Okay, that helps the Mets. And likewise, uh, I noticed that Randy Levine, 
the president of the uh, New York Mets, excuse me, New York Yankees, former uh, deputy mayor for Rudy Giuliani, was in the parking lot at City Field as I was outside with Andrew uh, Giuliani decrying uh, the double standard. And Randy Levine, no doubt, lobbied him on behalf of the Yankees, although I don't know of any of uh, Steinbrenner's money or even Randy Levine's money that went into that pack. So clearly Stephen Cohen had had the ear of Eric Adams because he gave him a lot of money. And now we find out that the former Speaker of the City Council, Corey Johnson, uh, who had been beaten in his attempt to become the city controller by a real radical, liberal, progressive, AOC acolyte, Brad Lander of Brooklyn. Uh, so he's unemployed. And what happens to elected officials when they become unemployed? They become lobbyists. They get like $20,000 a month. They get a retainer. And he lobbied on behalf of the uh, the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets. So he called up. Uh, Eric Adams, and he said, Eric, we got to do something for Kyrie, and I'm uh, representing the Nets now. And Eric Adams lied about that, said he hadn't been lobbied by anyone, and apparently the press found out that, yeah, Corey Johnson, in his new role as a lobbyist, which is what all uh, ex-electeds become, where they then end up whining, dining, and pocket-lining their fellow elected officials who remain in office uh, to the benefit of their their, uh, retainers. That, in fact, Corey Johnson had lobbied him. So Eric Adams lied. He said, I hadn't been lobbied by anyone. Now, you damn well know he was lobbied by Stephen Cohen of the New York Mets. Why did he hold a press conference at City Field, huh? Why did he uh, not do it in an independent location like City Hall? He could have had the press conference at City Hall. He could have said, look, I'm not showing favoritism to the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks. I'm not showing favoritism uh, to the Rangers. I'm not showing favoritism to the Yankees or to the Mets. But no, he did it at City Field in the Jackie Robinson Rotunda. Why do you think he did it there? Because Stephen Cohen, his Medici, his biggest donor, told him, I want the press conference where you announce the double standard. Players and performers don't have to be vaccinated, but everybody else does. If they work in the private sector, in a job where there are a 100 or more employees, they must be vaccinated if they're in the city of New York working. Likewise, if they're civil servants, they have to be vaccinated or they get fired with no hope for unemployment. And they can't look for another job when they're suspended temporarily pending the decision to fire them. So that's Eric Adams. And he was like that every step of the way. And ladies and gentlemen, are you at all surprised that he would side with the rich, with the well-heeled, with the stars, the trendoids, the freakazoids, the jet setters, and not the common folks? When a guy all of a sudden, after earning money as a Brooklyn Borough president, walking around with a windbreaker that said, Eric Adams, uh, your Brooklyn Borough president, which uh, all the borough presidents do, he was always neatly dressed, uh, but he never had a flair like he is now. Now he looks like GQ. My God, tailor-made suits. What was that, Pablo Escobar's tailor who no longer can make them for the uh, drug kingpin from Medellin who's dead? He's making Eric Adams suits. And then Ferragamo shoes. And then look at those socks. He's got the weirdest socks, but, man, they are uber, uber costly. 
So now you know the rest of the story. And we can open it up for discussion. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. In fact, in a few hours, uh, before I join Anthony Weiner in the afternoon, I'll be out in Bayside for the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade on this, my birthday, and where people have already started putting on their bumpers. Don't blame me. I voted for Curtis Sliwa. Yep, yep. Uh, they're starting to get around. Maybe I'll make them available uh, uh, here at WABC. Don't don't blame me. I voted for Curtis Sliwa. Wow. Now, who would have thought that after nine weeks, now closing in on three months, and his first 100 days, which is uh, generally what you give uh, an elected official a honeymoon of, 100 days, that the crime is higher than at any point of the Bill de Blasio feckless and weak and hate the cops administration, who defunded the cops by a billion dollars along with the feckless and weak city council. Who would have thought that we'd actually be in worse shape? That's because there's one thing that I told everybody during the campaign. You can't please everybody. When you try to, you end up pleasing nobody. And that's the position that Eric uh, Adams, our mayor, has gotten himself into. He says one thing that makes you want to applaud him and then follows it up quickly with something that you say, that doesn't make any sense. How the hell then is that going to work? 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W.A.B.C. Now, my namesake, Curtis Mayfield, although on this, my 68th birthday, I must say that ever since my father, Chester Merchant Seaman, for 54 years, chose this name to be uh, tagged on to me upon my birth as a 13-pound baby at Brooklyn Hospital, delivered by my mother, Francesca, who was only five foot six, about... 148 pounds. Nobody could believe that that was her baby. In fact, when my father came from um, being offshore on the ship and they summoned him to the infirmary, he looked at me and he said, that's impossible. That can't be my son. Look, his eyes are uh, made me look like an Asian uh, baby because of the slant that they had. So he just assumed, because how would you know back then? You know, kids were moved around in the infirmary. It's not like now you have DNA. So my mother insisted, no, 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 that's my, that's my, that's our son, Chester. That's our son. And he gave me the name Curtis, which was an English name. But regularly, when you go through the panoply of different people you've heard whose name is Curtis, yeah, Curtis LeMay, bomb him into the Stone Age. The general actually ended up running with George Wallace uh, as his vice presidential candidate when Wallace was running for the presidency. Uh, but it's generally African-Americans who have the name Curtis, like Curtis Mayfield, who tragically died on the stage of the free concerts that the Brooklyn Borough president would put on. At that time, it was Marty Markowitz, uh, when a light stanchion broke off an unexpected uh, sort of mini Mini uh, sort of tornado came down, and the crowd uh, started running towards the street. And unfortunately, this light stanchion fell and hit Curtis Mayfield, and eventually he passed away from that. He was originally from Chi Town, but most synonymous 
with uh, all the black exploitation movies. He did quite a few of the soundtracks. Superfly, TNT, uh, Shaft, He's a Bad Mother, Watch Your Mouth. Uh, a lot of those black exploitation movies, uh, sweet back from that era. But it was a time where you would see drug dealers openly dealing drugs. Because at that point, the New York City Police Department did not want uniformed cops making drug arrests. So the uniformed cops would have to call it in. Uh, and then hopefully the detectives would send uh, an undercover team to do a buy-in bus. Meantime, all the citizens would watch uniformed cops on patrol pass by guys openly dealing drugs, heroin, cocaine at the time, weed, whatever the drug of choice was, and do nothing. And so the impression was of the citizens, they won't do anything, they must be getting paid by the drug dealers which was unfair to the cops. And why did they have to call it back into the precinct and wait for an undercover detective unit to come out in order to do a buy-and bus? How specious and fool. People in neighborhoods where they look at some guy at a corner or outside a bodega or set up somewhere on the block, openly dealing heroin and fentanyl. And they lose their resolve to improve and not to move. And that's why, if you notice in some of the stats, the incredible number of people moving out of New York City, and it continues. The exodus continues. 40% of those residing in Manhattan said, that they're thinking of leaving, and 46% of those who live in the outer boroughs, the Bronx, uh, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island, said they're thinking of leaving. The number one reason is no longer COVID, COVID COVID-19, it's crime. And the, um, I would say the most uh, open manifestation of that is when you see open drug dealing where the drug dealers uh, do not care about ramifications because there are none. You don't see the steerers, the clockers, the lookouts any longer. So you don't have to have them. You don't have to have them. They're not going to get arrested. There are no consequences. And um, Eric Adams said, start, stop. He tells him, no, I want you to bust them. But no, 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 I don't want you to arrest them. And then we have a new police commissioner, Sewell. Uh, who formerly was in charge of detectives in Nassau County. Uh, she she just has not gotten into the swing of things yet with the culture of the NYPD, doesn't know enough about it. Really unfair to have made her police commissioner. He should have appointed a more senior member of the department, even if it was just for a year. Brought Sewell in, had her in a deputy uh, police uh, chief position, learn more about the department. So maybe in a year she could be the police commissioner and be the first female police commissioner in the city of New York. But right out of the box, nope. And we all know that Phil Banks, uh, who has uh, been a hot mess previously as a high-ranking police official, although he knows how to run the police department, he just has too many personal and financial problems that uh, almost got him indicted, is now really calling the shots as the deputy mayor for public safety, and that's that's really problematic. And look, the stats reflect that. We've had an increase in subway crime, an increase in street crime, and no hope, uh, showing no hope of a decrease at all. 
as the mayor runs from one photo op to another photo op to one press conference about a crime to another press conference about a crime. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Noreen calling from the gateway to the world, Bayonne in Crooked Hudson County. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Noreen. Yes, how are you doing? Uh, now, hold on, Noreen. It busted my bubble. We were on such a roll. Uh, ever since 1 o'clock this morning when I took over for Dominic Carter. Now, one person has asked me how I'm doing, right? Because they know the rules and regulations. The Robert rules of order, rules and regulations for callers. Don't ask me how I'm doing because, Noreen, like everyone else, I'm just going to tell you I've had better days. Kabish, Kabish, Noreen. Yes, I wanted to say happy birthday oh, to thank you. you. Thank you, thank you. That I'll thank you for, Noreen. Thank you. You have a great night, Curtis. Thank I you. love listening to you. Now, do you know what group that was that uh, sang? Manfred Man. Manfred Man, blinded by the light. That's right. All right. So, in the future, Noreen, also when we go to you, you got to lower that radio because we catch the reverb. But because so it is my birthday, because I haven't been as nasty to you as I'm normally nasty to callers who violate so many rules and regulations, uh, Camila, Camilla, Cam- Car- what is your name again? Camelia. Curtis, you forgot my name already. Alrighty. It's Camelia. All right, let me write that down. I have to phonetically write that yeah. out. Camelia. Camelia. All right. Uh, this is what I'm going to do for you, Noreen. Stay on the line. <laughs> Uh, we're going to uh, send you uh, uh, WABC baseball cap, which, according to those who have received it, is better than the one that is sent out when Frank Morano sends it out. Much better grade, much better quality. Uh, and so stay on the line, Noreen, because I've, I've taken my nice pills uh, tonight. In addition to the uh, high blood pressure pills, I finally got after three days. Thank you so much, Curtis. Hey, look, I got to thank you for living in Bayonne, Crooked Hudson County, the gateway to the world, the old location of Standard Oil, uh, Rockefellers, and now where all the tourists uh, catch their uh, cruises out there into the Atlantic to parts unknown. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jay calling all the way from the heartland of America, the Buckeye State, Ohio, Thanks for joining us here on my 68th birthday on WABC, Jay. Yeah. Hey, from the great state of Ohio to the great city of New York. My Listen, ha- man, I was listening to um, you talking about you ain't got no chops. And you sound like you got a lot of chops. But the thing is that they use a boxing analogy. Um, you know, like you got that show, the show on the weekend. I listened to you. And, you know, you 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 don't want to, like, really, like, when the bell rings, you don't want to come out and spar with the guy. It's like you, you just want to just, like, ah, uh, you know. You got to, you know, I think that you should, you got, like, two liberal um, sparring partners on the weekend. You should use them to sharpen up your game because I think you, honestly, I think you got what it takes. You just you just gotta just uh settle down. You know well now now Jay, this is this is excellent constructive uh, criticism and I'll tell you why. Bear with me a moment. Uh yes, I will be on in a few hours with Anthony Weiner. I join him uh, two to four 
Monday through, excuse me, on Saturdays. Uh, that's left versus right. Although there will be a surprise today at 2 o'clock. When you listen at 2 o'clock, uh, as uh, Goma Pyle would have said, USMC, surprise, surprise, surprise. That'll be at 2 o'clock today. And then naturally on uh, Sunday, I'm with Chris Hahn, who is the younger brother of Jessica Hahn, the infamous one, uh, remember, of the... Uh, evangelical, uh, oh, God, what a hot mess that was. You know what I'm talking about, from 3 to 5 on Sundays. And then when I had my first debate running for mayor in the Republican primary, which took place right here at WABC in our studio, uh, I came right out of the box after my opponent, Fernando Mateo, and everybody said, oh, you jumped on him right away. You were merciless. Because that's the way I am in the streets. I don't dance around. I don't jab. Are you kidding? You get jabbed in the back of the head, and the next thing you know, you're sucking concrete, and it's over, Jay. And you know something? You know, you, you, you're like a real personable guy. I think that if you really, like, reach out to, the, I guess, the minority community in your city, listen, man, they, they really, I think they would take to you because, I, you know, you just got what it takes. You got it. You just got to just use it. Well, because, you know, uh, for years I've been referred to as a snow bro, the Caucasian persuasion. Uh, so I certainly do have the cred in the uh, inner city. By the way, what city are you from, Jay? No, I'm just I'm just from the country, man. But the thing is that, you know, like you're, you're like a very personable guy, like a down-to-earth type of person. You just relate to people. I think you'd be great. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jay. This is uh, the best birthday present I've had uh, so far today. Uh, although, I don't know if I could comment. Uh, I wouldn't give up. You shouldn't give up. You shouldn't give up, man. You should just keep, keep putting yourself out there because I oh, think you would be As you know, uh, Jay, if you know my career, uh, I never give up. Uh, some people have said I'm like a cat with nine lives. I've used up eight of them. I cannot use up that last life because I may not uh, be there. Maybe in the hereafter, who knows? Maybe go straight to hell with it out in an asbestos suit or maybe straight to the pearly gates. But no, I will never give up, Jay. I will never, ever, ever give up. You can be assured of that, as our listeners know. Although, who can forget that first debate? Aired two hours here on WABC and on WABC TV. In which I came out swinging and winging at Fernando Mateo, who didn't know what hit him. <laughs> and people would say, hey, give the guy an offer. No way. You're my opponent. Bam. Down you go. I'm right out of the corner. None of this jabbing. None of these Marcus of Queensberry rules. I would have been dead in the streets if I played by all those rules. You kidding? Guys that jump me, give me a beat down. The only way you know. Whether a guy is street tough is he has to have acknowledged that he got a few beatdowns because the only way you can give a beatdown is to have been a victim of a beatdown. So guys from the Lucchese or the Gambino crime family would get me one time, and I said, okay, I'll get you, Joey. I'll get you, Vito. Don't worry about it. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. They're half in the bag. They're outside of their house. They're getting out of their Camaro, IROC, you know, the Supreme Cougine special cards. Three in the morning, nobody's around, but I'm in the bushes. They never knew what hit them. They had no idea how they lost their front teeth. And they probably still don't know. Because that's how you get back at them. What, what are you going to walk up to five or six of them? Right? They got bats. They got guns. No, no, no. You figure, okay. 
I'll pick the time. I'll pick the place for my revenge. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, as many of you know, who've been having a long night of drinking, you're half stangat. You're barely able to make it out of the car. How you didn't get stopped for drunken driving is beyond me. You pull up into your driveway. You get out of your Iraq Camaro, right? You got the Ucornu in the rearview mirror, the Italian horn. And you didn't even see me coming out of the shadows. <laughs> and I made you pay for it all there. Oh, man. Didn't take me long either. You were on the ground the moment I hit you because you could barely get to your feet. And then, bam, again. And don't worry. You slept good. You slept real good to the wee hours in the morning when all of a sudden your mommy found you out in the driveway when she came out to get the daily news that had been delivered. Hey, Vinny, what happened? I don't know, Mom. Somebody hit me. You think it was that Curtis? You know, they say he's crazy. Nah, he doesn't have enough you-know-what to have done that. Well, guess what? He did it many, many times. Hey, that's right. There's no statue of limit. Yes, there is a statue of limit. It's over. It's over. You can't touch this. They're alive. You can't touch this. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Harold calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here. How you doing, Curtis? Two in a row, back-to-back, belly-to-belly. I was having such a good birthday. Uh, It was Noreen and Bayonne who started it, right? Noreen and Bayonne say, how you doing? (sighs) So, Harold, let me straighten you out because you've been waiting a hell of a long time. Is there a Robert Rules of Orders in calling this show? I know everyone else is loosey-goosey. They welcome calls because it's hard for them sometimes to get calls, you know, without the same person calling every hour. So I understand, you know, people, hey, hey how you doing? Oh, I'm doing real good. Yeah, uh, hey, yeah, Carmine's doing good. Rachel's doing good. The whole world's doing good. Really? And they talk like five minutes about family matters. They don't even know your family, nor do you know this, but you act like you're, you're kissing cousins. I don't do that. A number one. And this is for all of you listeners out there all throughout the world in 38 states, parts of Canada, parts of Europe, listening to the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, the number one news talk station in the nation on this my birthday. Number one, never ask me, how am I doing? Because I'm going to tell you I've had better days. Number two, don't thank me for taking your call because I've been soliciting all of you to call only 1% of talk radio uh, listeners ever bother to call. And I want to improve that percentage so we're not just hearing the same old, same old, same old callers, which you really don't hear on the Curtis Sleeper Show. You do on some of the other shows. We got to improve that percentage. And then lastly, don't ever use the euphemism. Hey, first time call a long time listener because you're phenomenal. Hey, Kabish, you Kabish Harold. Yes, I capiche. Okay, all right, you got it. All right, gee, it strained me there. I, I got give lessons here, but go ahead, Harold. I just want to say happy birthday, and I met you at uh, the Mermaid Day Parade. Uh, I'm going to go there again uh, in uh, the next Mermaid Day Parade. And I'm saying I, I love you. I listen to you all the time. You're a great guy. And uh, I'm half Italian, half Norwegian, and I was born in Jersey City Heights. I was born in Margaret Hay, New Jersey, Jersey City. And uh, my father was born in the Lower East Side. His mother was pure Guinea. 
His father was pure Norwegian. I'm Howard Carson, and my father's partner. He was in hooked up, and he was murdered. He was murdered when I was five years old. He was stabbed thirty six times, and uh, you know, I know you from the. Wow, that's quite a uh, Harold. That's quite a Wikipedia. Your dad got murdered, and he got what shot or stabbed? How many times? He got stabbed thirty six times. Sheesh. He was he was, he, he was uh, born on the East Side. He was half Italian, half Norwegian, and uh, he was hooked up with, you know, mafia officer guys. But he couldn't be a main man because, you know, well, he wasn't sure. You, you see, the, yeah, the problem is he was a squarehead, a Norwegian. Yeah, but he, and his father was Norwegian, but his mother's pure Italian. But, uh, he grew up, you know, he couldn't be a main man. Well, well let me, let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. Because uh, you're going to see me at the annual Mermaid Day Parade in Coney Island, which will be revived. It hasn't been out there for two, two years because of the lockdown and pandemic. Back, I think it was in 2000, I was uh, named the King Neptune of the annual Mermaid Day Parade. King Neptune. I was King Neptune. You know who my queen was? Hmm. That's part of her name. Queen Latifah from East Orange. That's right. She was my queen, and we marched around. And a lot of the women, or guys in transition to be women, I don't know how to claim it, you know, because it was obvious they were in transition, uh, had no tops on. Well, buck naked, nude. Pretending to be mermaids and sirens and guys' eyeballs were falling out. Although some of these women or guys trying to be women should have just kept their Playtex bras on. Let me tell you something. It was uh, difficult. But I was the uh, king, King Neptune, and uh, Queen Latifah was the queen. And we marched around. It was hotter than hell. It was like 110 degrees in the shade. Uh, I was not wearing sandals. I was on the asphalt, so it was burning the bottom of my feet, and I welcomed getting to the end because we were on the beach in Coney Island, which at times when it's crowded like that, you might as well be swimming in a cesspool because anyone who's jumped in that water there has decided to relieve themselves in the water rather than wait on a line that goes all the way down the boardwalk in order to use the public facilities. So Queen Latifah, the final thing you have to do uh, as part of that hedonistic walk is throw fruit into the ocean. And then it's up to King Neptune to swim out there and retrieve the fruit and bring it back and put it into Queen Latifah's basket, which I did because I welcomed going into the water because my dogs were burning my feet. So, yeah, yeah, I'll be out there. I'm there every year. The annual Mermaid Day Parade, unfortunately, put on the shelf for two years because of the lockdown and pandemic. And it gets freaky deaky. Totally freaky deaky. So you learned something uh, here this morning that maybe you didn't know. Curtis Lewa was King Neptune. Queen Latifah was the queen of the annual Mermaid Day Parade. Uh, let's go, if we can, uh, to uh, Rich, who's calling from Long Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rich. It's Rich here. Yeah, yeah, I know, Rich. That's why I went to you. Hey, happy birthday. Happy 68th. I, mine's coming up in three months, so I can appreciate it. Oh, oh so 68. Uh, where did you grow up, Rich? 
Everywhere. I I moved around by more than you did, and you really got a record for that, man. Uh, is that because your parents didn't pay the rent, and every three months they were on the go? Yeah, long story, but I had, I was in 12 schools in, in 12th grade, so. Well, hold on, sir. 12 schools in 12th grade. What were your parents, gypsies, Roma people? Nah, divorces. You know how that goes. Yep, yeah, yeah, but 12. Yeah. 12 schools. 12 schools. In 12 years. 12 schools in 12 years. Well, I tell you what, we knew you weren't a bad boy because you'd have been in reform school, and guess what? That would have been one school, one school only. Oh, I hear you. I'm glad I avoided that. Glad I, I, I wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Love your show, as you know. Listen to you and Nancy every weekend. And... Um, I, I was looking up some of the names of birthday people on the same birthday as you. Marty Short, he's hysterical and makes me laugh all the time. But you're funnier, by the way. Wow. Man, now you're really pulling my shorts and chewing my BBDs. No, no, no smoke. No smoke, you know where. Yep, yep. Alan Arkin, awesome dude, awesome actor, and he's really funny, too. So you might be as funny as him. Yeah, well, you know, the one person who was born on the same day, I think he's like 82 or 83 uh, James Kahn grew up in the yeah. Bronx. Um, he was an affiliate of the Colombo crime family, claims he's not. And then when I mentioned that on the airwaves, uh, I was told to cease and desist. I received a letter at the time. Frank Morano was my producer at AM 970, The Answer. I did that uh, program for four years there. That's four years I'll never get back in my life. But anyway, <laughs> the lawyer made me read an apology. Or they were going to sue me for every nickel, dime, and penny I didn't have. And so I agreed to read the apology. And then Frank Morano read the, the letter. He said, Curtis, this is worse than what you said about James Kahn. And then I looked at it. I said, wow, you're right, Frank. So I think I read it once, twice, three times, four times. Because it was worse than what I said initially. Oh. That's, that's hilarious. Hey, another guy that was another guy was born on your birthday, same birthday, Strother Martin, which was uh, I think Cool Hand Luke. Yep, yep. Wasn't with, and uh, I remember you know you always remember what he had to say, right? Yeah. What we then, got here is failure communicate. Naturally, naturally, there was uh, Coho Lips, uh, Stephen Tyler, uh, and then naturally, uh, probably the best known uh, birth on March twenty sixth. Was uh, Diana Ross. Oh, man. That was the diva of all divas. Something I surely am not. Up next, you know, Frank Morano likes to solve mysteries. You know, that's one of his fortes. In the other side of uh, midnight. Well, we're going to solve a mystery that involves Frank Morano up next. Oh, it's a great jam by Selena Gomez. I'm generally no fan of anyone who's ever been attached to Justin Bieber, Biber, whatever. Deport that creep back to Canada. But this song definitely has the message, it ain't me. It ain't me. And this definitely applies to our mystery segment here on the still searching for name for what used to be called The Other Side of Midnight, the weekend edition, although I've been told by the owners and operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, who were here earlier uh, on Friday, 
for Greek Independence Day, breaking up dishes in the Greek tradition, every dish, boom, they were breaking, everybody break, relieving themselves of stress and frustration while I was trying to get my high blood pressure medicine. Let me just say that I was told by Chad Lopez, our capo de tutti, our general manager, that the final decision for the name of the show that Frank uh, Morano had a hissy fit about. Oh, it shouldn't be called The Other Side of Midnight Weekend Edition. Will be made by Frank Morano. Can you believe this? He's coming in to the studios later on today. It is a um, area beyond the studios. It is a locked door with a combination on it that apparently Frank Morano has now. And he'll be sorting through all of your close to 382 recommendations for a new name. And management and owners are determining that Frank will make the choice. How do you like that? So my new name of this old show rests in the hands of my nemesis, Frank Morano. Who, remember, earlier today acknowledged that he stole my theme song. In his own words, he stole my theme song. And no retribution. It's like being in the city of New York. You steal, you shoplift, right? You do smash and grabs. You rob people. There are no, there are no ramifications. Uh, there are no consequences for your actions. And for Frank Morano, who on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, the most powerful news talk station in the nation, reaching 38 states, parts of Canada, parts of Europe, acknowledged that he stole my theme song, took it out of my uh, clutter. Took it out of my milk crate and refuses to return it to me. You happen to have that, uh, Izzy, because it's bothered me so on my birthday. If we can please go to the statement of Frank Morano where he acknowledged that he had stolen my theme song. That song, I actually stole that from Curtis. Curtis, he used to do this show. He was on from 2 to 6 a.m., Overnights, and I used to listen. He did a great job, and um, I he he would play that at the top of every hour. And I always said when I would be listening to Curtis doing overnight radio, I said if I'm ever on doing my own overnight radio show, I'm going to play that for the last hour. I and like uh, that. And the name of that song is no longer available for public uh, listening. He has the only copy. He took it. He purloined it. Never told me. Until I finally heard him playing it, and then naturally he was. He's, this was his statement: "Finders keepers, losers weepers." This is what Frank Morano said to me: "Finders keepers, losers weepers." But I'm going to go in the direction of what uh, Frank Morano does on occasion, in which he tries to solve mysteries. That's a good part of his show. It's what uh, John Katsimatidis, our owner and operator and great talk show host in his own right, who hosts the uh, roundtable discussion uh, 5 o'clock each day, Monday through Friday, and then starts it all over again Sundays in the morning at 8 with Frank Morano, 8 to 8.30, and then his many interviews, uh, news-making guests uh, from 8.30 to 10 before Mike Humbaricic, Rudy Giuliani comes on, and then you know the rest of the story. There is a particular caller to this show that has attracted a lot of attention. He seems to know quite a bit about Frank Morano. 
And there are a lot of people who have made inquiries as to who this gentleman is. He identifies himself as Junior with his dog, Rusty. Says he is a neighbor of Frank Morano out there on Staten, Italy. And in fact, let me uh, play for you. He's called twice now. Play for you the first time he called. And I would say it is probably the most asked question that I get is, who is that guy, Junior and Rusty, who have called and ratted out Frank Morano? You know, I got to share something with you. I wasn't going to say anything, but when you said something about intel on uh, Frank Morano, I happen to know he's done a terrible thing. And I'd like to share it with you, my friend. How, how, how terrible is terrible? Well, it could be a lot worse, but uh, uh, let me give you an overview. I, my dog, the last 30 years, from about 2 till 4 a.m., and uh, I actually feel that helps me sleep the rest of the morning till about 11 a.m. But, uh, you know, being in the city, I... I hear everything and I pay attention to everything in the middle of the night, just me and the dog. And I heard Frank's uh, front door jar and I looked over my left shoulder. Well, to set it up, the week before last, he was telling the listeners that uh, he had been out on the front porch to light a cigar and his neighbor came over and asked him if he knew that Somebody had been throwing massive amounts of trash between their two properties. And Frank said, well, we'll have to get together tomorrow and uh, a team effort, you know, and try to clean up this mess. And, and, uh, but I happen to know, I seen it with my own eyes, mm. the culprit in all the trash between their property was actually Frank Morano. He, um, he did it to himself? Well, between their two properties, I heard the door jar that mm. that night before, and I looked over my left shoulder, and I seen him come out the front door with uh, three big black bags of trash, and uh, he had on a ski mask, you know, the kind where the front's mostly completely open. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, he had that signature uh, foot-long black, 10-cent cigar he smokes shoved in his mouth. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, he made his way down the steps, and uh, I kind of slowed down with the dog, and uh, he went over to his neighbor's uh, bush line there. It's on the east side of their home, and Mm -hmm. he ripped the first bag open. It was big mounds of white used pampers. And he started kicking those into the bushes. Mm. Carmine. That that had to be Carmine's pampers. Carmine. Yeah, the baby probably. Yeah, yeah. You know, all soil too. Nasty, nasty. Oh, yeah. I wondered what his pant leg looked like after he was kicking on those things. But, uh, of course, I couldn't see in the dark. But then he brought out a little pen-style flashlight, almost looked like a little laser pointer. And he gently ripped open a big black bag of beer cans, and to keep them from rattling, he kind of, you know, didn't kick as hard. He just kind of took a side of his foot and shoved him in the man's bushes. And mm. 
And then there was a third bag that looked like household kitchen trash and whatnot. But uh, I just thought it was ironic for him to say that he had been out the next evening, earlier in the evening, and him and his neighbor agreed to clean it up. And when he was the actual culprit in a whole ordeal, uh, the scammer, you might say, but, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I couldn't keep keep quiet no, anymore. I, I had to share it with someone. By the way, I just suffered through a week of Frank Morano, and it's good to hear you on the air again. Uh, I live for the weekends, you know what no, I'm no, saying? I understand. And I, I really want to applaud you. I've been telling all of our listeners that I need intel on Frank. Uh, they can write him out. It's okay to be right. a rat when it comes to Frank Morano and eat the Parmesan cheese because – as you can see, he speaks with forked tongue. <laughs> exactly. Um, he was uh, going to be the, the good guy and help his neighbor clean up a mess that he instituted. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and he probably expected the uh, borough president, Vito Fasella, to give him some kind of certificate, you know, uh, some kind of a notation of appreciation for him cleaning up all that crap that he put out there. Exactly. And he wanted to look like the hero, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like Frank, and especially the Gavon would come down smoking the cigars that he's best known for and not think that people would would not know it was him. Yeah, there it was. I don't think it had ever been lit. It was a foot-long black cigar shoved in his mouth that looked like his signature 10 cent ones he smokes, you know. Yeah, he really does smoke those cheap cigars. Really does. Oh, yeah. You know, that was, that's, that's so cogent of you, so cognizant of you. I only wish we had more listeners who would be as brave as you are to come forward and relate to us the true story about Frank Morano. Well, I appreciate that, Curtis. I didn't, I didn't know what to do, uh, the last week and a half, two weeks, and I just thought I had to share it. I couldn't hold it inside any longer, you know. No, 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 I totally understood. Uh, please, Junior, keep walking that dog. Keep an eye on Frank Morano. That all-seeing eye, you know, you know that the Masonic symbol should be on him. I need to know every minute detail of what he is doing on the air, off the air so that we can bring it to everybody's attention. It, this was really horrible news, devastating news. It, this might even be considered a felony crime, but you know how the DAs are in New York, including that ambulance chaser out there in Staten Island, McMahon. Oh, I'm Irish, you know, the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I'm going to watch it from the side. But, you know, it's like, come on already. It's an ambulance chaser. They take a felony, like what Junior just described. They downgrade it to a misdemeanor. Then it's like petty larceny. And then all of a sudden, a guy like Frank cops the disorderly conduct. It's a violation, and there's no record of it. That's what I mean when I need intel on Frank. That was so good. Yes, it is. Junior and his trusty dog, Rusty, neighbor of Frank Morano. But... Frank Morano was confronted about this. Uh, 
and ask Frank uh, whatever you want to under the stars uh, and stripes of America. Uh, he does that every Friday, his opening hour. Uh, his last show of the week, which he, he says is the most highly rated of all five shows he does Monday through Friday from 1 to 5. Well, of course it is, because a lot of people assume that I'm on, you know, because it's the weekend. And then they realize, oh, Curtis is on tomorrow. But they start listening to Frank. That's why it's his most highly rated uh, morning of the five mornings that he does. And uh, he was asked specifically about Junior and Rusty. Hi, Frank. Hi. Frank, I wanted to ask you, um, do you know who the gentleman is who calls in every weekend to Curtis's show, and he claims that he lives in your neighborhood? He's got a dog named Rusty. I just don't remember his name. (laughs) Yeah, I heard that guy. Uh, No, I have no idea who that guy is. None. It's very funny. I mean, I know it's all, you know. Yeah, no, I think it's hysterical. I think it's hysterical. I like that guy a lot. Uh, But no, I have no idea who he is. Uh, And I'm almost certain that he does not live in my neighborhood, but he is funny. Yeah, he says he sees you walking around, that he sees you with diapers and every other thing. Right. I I heard, no, the guy is uh, a very talented comic, I must say. But no, I have no idea who he is. And Frank, he tells the story so seriously. Absolutely. He's a gifted storyteller. I love that. Yeah, it's it's really funny. Yeah, he he's pretty cool. No, I don't know who he is, uh, but I, I am I'm betting dollars to donuts that he's not somebody that I've ever interacted with. But he he is a a, a really a big part of what makes Curtis's overnight show on the weekend so terrific. <laughs> you notice how quickly Frank just sped through that, like he just wanted to get it over. Oh no, no I have no idea. No, no, no. There's no such thing. Right, right. You know, normally Frank is. Uh, Colloquial. Uh, he likes to uh, have a longer discussion. He just raced through that. Like he just didn't want to deal with it. But another caller also brought it up. Actually, the caller thought he knew who the voice of Junior was, who walks Rusty as Frank's neighbor out in Staten, Italy. You listen and watch how, uh, watch how Frank Morano twists and turns. But first, I'd like to say, I think the neighbor that's talking about you with your garbage and your cigars, I believe his name is Tom Bodette Jr. No way. Really? To him real clo- if you listen to him real closely, it sounds just like Tom Bodette, but you got you got to imagine it with the violins and the piano. I'm just you know, guessing. I, you know, I, I don't think so, just because I've invited Tom Bodette on... Uh, this program many times, and he has not accepted any of my invitations. So I can't imagine that he would turn down my invitations and then spend his weekends in the wee hours of the morning calling Curtis. Maybe he's got a son. Maybe. Possible. Possible. Oh, once again, Frank Morano, very curt, very short with a caller. It seemed like he was on to something. But, you know, Frank... Frank seems to be very uncomfortable when the subject of Junior and Rusty comes up. The mystery needs to be resolved, though. Frank, he's big on resolving mysteries, right? Our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, loves mystery segments uh, and trying to resolve them. You know, take them from A to Z. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Steve in Brooklyn, your turn to be heard here on this, the 68th birthday of yours truly at WABC, Steve. Curtis, wishing you a happy 68th birthday from the 68th Precinct to 68 Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. 
Uh, it's a real honor to be able to talk to you. And I actually uh, met you at the uh, Chinatown Parade Year of the Tiger. Uh, I came up to you and shook your hand and told you that you should have been mayor. And uh, I don't know if you remember that, but you look like you were en route somewhere pretty quick. And uh, so that day, um, I'm LAPD retired originally from Brooklyn. And uh, so I met a couple of your guardian angels and I met uh, Sifu. And uh, I decided that day to join the uh, guardian angels to do uh, some good to protect and serve in, uh, in a different way. So uh, I just want to thank you for all you've done all these years. I'm hoping you're going to write a book. I learned so much from you when I'm in Los Angeles. I listen and, and, I, and I, I find out so much about what's going on in New York and, and the history and, 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 the, and the trivia. And any, any ideas about writing a book at some point? Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, if I can survive, because remember, I'm like a cat with nine lives. I've used eight of them. Enough people have tried to kill me in my life, so let's hope that I preserve that ninth live. I, I figure I'll start with a matchbook, then maybe a comic book, then maybe a paperback, then maybe a hard copy book. You know, work my way up. Because everybody, they want to write books. You know, oh, I'll write a book. And then you say, and what has happened in your life that's worthy of you writing a book? Oh, I have opinions on everything. What the hell? I don't need a book to know what your opinions are. But I've certainly done enough things in my life, Steve, that I think it's oh, yeah. uh, it's about time I start seriously thinking about writing a book. I like that idea. I think so. I mean, your, your life has been so fascinating. And uh, and by the way, I have an idea for the name of the show, uh, Night Train with Curtis. Wow, like, like Night Train Express, that 99-cent chemical wine that many of us <laughs> would drink years ago. Midnight Express, Night Train, oh, yeah, oh, God. Yeah, burn your stomach lining out. I like yeah, yeah. I, maybe it's not the best uh, idea, but no, 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 uh, I, no, I no, but, you with the subways. But trust me, it's like over 380 suggestions, and guess what? I don't have a say in it. Uh, the owners and operators uh, and our uh, Capo de Tutti general manager, Chad Lopez, have given the right to make the choice to my nemesis on this. The guy who triggered it all, Frank Morano, had a hissy fit because he didn't want me any longer referring to the show on the weekends as the other side of Midnight, the weekend edition. So now he's going to pick what the name of the show is going to be. I, what, what hubris? What chutzpah? That doesn't seem quite right. I don't know how things operate there in the radio business, but it uh, doesn't seem quite right. Now, you were formerly with the LAPD? Yes, sir. Uh, 28 years. I went, you know, uh, elections do have consequences. And when Giuliani uh, ran against Dinkins and lost the first time, I, you could say I was a political refugee. I left uh, Brooklyn. I left New York. Showed a lot of my friends. I, I went to McKinley Junior High School, went to Xavier High School in Manhattan. And uh, we just decided to leave with Dinkins. It went straight downhill for four years. You know how bad it was in those days. And uh, so uh, I went out and joined the LAPD. I was in a 1090 class and uh, did it 28 years, mostly in the street. I was a field training officer, a senior lead officer, terrorism liaison officer. And, uh, and I had a partner for a time, uh, Lenny, from uh, Bed-Stuy. And so we uh, we worked basically the Brooklyn car in uh, downtown Los Angeles. So uh, we had a, we had a, we had some great times. Now explain this to me, Steve, because I've spent a lot of time in L.A. Uh, ended up uh, getting locked up in L.A. County when they claimed that I had attacked a gang member. I don't know how they could ever come to that conclusion, but anyway, uh, 
I would cross the street in typical New York City style, jaywalking. Yes. And the cops, who wouldn't stop for anything else, would immediately stop their black and white, pull over, say, hey, come here, uh, ID, okay, give my ID, and write me out a $100 ticket. I think I yeah, could have you know, killed somebody in MacArthur Park near the ramparts, and it wouldn't have gotten as much attention from the LAPD as me jaywalking. You know, that's a very good point because we're very big on uh, pedestrian violations. And uh, we, you know, and I have to say, I did catch a couple of criminals that way, uh, but I gave a lot of breaks, especially if you're from out of town. It's like, come on, who else writes uh, jaywalking tickets except LAPD in downtown Los Angeles or in the, in the uh, metropolitan area? So, yeah, sorry that happened to you. That no, no, but, happened. you know, that's uh, I never thought of it that way. This is like fare evasion in New York City. They catch a lot of criminals who don't pay their fare on a bus or a subway, and they find out they have outstanding warrants or they have a gun on them or they have contraband on them. So, in a sense... Uh, although you have limited mass transit in Los Angeles, it's uh, the equivalent of that. You get somebody uh, legitimately jaywalking, uh, and you stop them, and you do a background check on them, and you do a stop and frisk on them, and you end up making uh, major arrests from a simple traffic uh, violation. You know, it's very true. I made uh, felony arrests that way. I caught an escapee that way at Laurel Canyon Ventura Boulevard. He was hitchhiking. It was like out of one of those movies. You thought, what is this guy doing hitchhiking right here? This is highly unusual. And so I said something to him, something to the effect of, uh, hey, you know, you can't hitchhike. It's illegal. And he had kind of an attitude. As soon as I sent back Curtis, I'm out of the car, hands up, turn around. Turns out he was an escapee from a facility. And when I brought him back to the station, like uh, we, we did a little uh, investigating, turns out they didn't even know he had escaped yet. He, he made up his bed to look like it was, uh, you know, he was still there. Ah. So uh, those things, do, those things do happen. Well, can you imagine? He's giving you lip. He's just escaped yeah. from a correctional facility. You figured he tried to be meek and mild and hope maybe you didn't see him. And it's almost That's like, he, think. right? He was begging you to lock him up and bring him back. So he could be incarcerated. It could have been that. And sometimes they just can't control themselves. You know, they just can't. The, the institutionalized person cannot control themselves sometimes when they're dealing with the police, which is good for us. Yeah, well, they used to have a special gang unit in LAPD, a crash, they called it. Yes, crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first organized the Guardian Angels in L.A., they treated us as if we were the Bloods or the Crips or MS-13 or 18th Street. And so they would stop our patrol and they would make us get down on our knees and really? put our hands behind our heads. This is when uh, the police uh, chief was uh, Daryl Wayne Gates, I call him. Daryl Gates, Daryl Gates. Right, but I call him, he was like John Wayne. He hated me, oh, he hated yeah. the Guardian Angels, and he told the crash unit, which was the unit to crack down on gangs, to treat us like a gang. So I can't tell you how many times I'd be on my knees with my hands cupped behind my head. And they would tell us, lie down on our belly, lift your arms. Then they come and they search us, assuming there's no way. Guardian angels are going to be carrying weapons. But uh, we, we search each other before we go on patrol, so we didn't, didn't have weapons. And uh, <laughs> uh, it took a long time before they got rid of him. I mean, after the uh, Rodney King riots, the insurrection, 
Yes. He yes. never talked to Bradley, who was the mayor, who had been a former police cop, almost became governor. They didn't talk with one another for three days. They hated each other's guts while the city was burning. It took Bush 41 to bring in the National Guard in order to put the Rodney King riots down. Oh, yeah. You remember it well. Yeah, I was I was down there in South Central. I was working North Hollywood when it when it first started. I looked uh, turned on the television. I saw Reginald Denny getting beaten at Florence and Normandy. I couldn't believe it. I called the station, uh, 77 station. I said, you know, there's a guy at Florence and Normandy getting beaten. They didn't know the the television wasn't working in the station, I don't think. And they did not know. They did not know what was happening. At that time, it got so bad that not only did the rioters uh, go through um, uh, South Central, but they came into uh, Koreatown, Ramparts, mm-hmm. and then they came to uh, Fredericks of Hollywood, which was across from our <laughs> our headquarters. We were between Sunset and Hollywood Boulevard, and they started breaking into Fredericks of Hollywood for all the lingerie and all the other uh, late night attire. And that's when our local leader there, Weston Conwell, said, enough is enough. Let's give them all beatdowns out of all the places they would break into. Fredericks of Hollywood. Some things things are sacred. That's why I uh, appreciate the well wishes on this, my 68th birthday. I'm telling you, in L.A., I could have murdered somebody. I got very close to that. Uh, Banging away with the gangs. And LAPD might have just passed me by in their black and white cars, the uniformed cops. But you jaywalk in L.A., you you just step off the curb. <laughs> they treat it like it's a felony. But I never thought of that. It's like fair evasion here. What seems like such a minor violation, a ticketable offense, could actually lead to a more serious arrest for outstanding warrants, maybe for possession of weapons or contraband, as it has in the past. So I never thought of it that way. You see, I just learned something about a city that locked me up in L.A. County with the Bloods and Crips. Oh, (laughs) they were going to have a party with me. (laughs) Hey, look who's here. It's uh, the guy, the crime fighter from New York. I hate Springsteen, the boss. Oh, working class guy, Freehold, New Jersey, right? Then all of a sudden he's with the 1%, his rumps in on the Jersey Shore. Now he's Farmer Bruce writing off his property, claiming he grows. What is he growing uh, yeah, I wonder what buds he grows, uh, what strains of marijuana, I'm assuming. But the song is a good song, and it's a perfect lead-in to Dancing in the Dark as we try to solve the mystery, as Frank Morano often does on the other side of midnight, uh, when he takes a mystery and tries to connect all the dots, which is very entertaining, very informative. But the biggest mystery of all actually involves Frank Morano and a man who claims to be his uh, his neighbor, Junior, with his dog, Rusty. And Frank couldn't have been more curt in denying that he knows who this guy is. We're going to try to resolve that. But first, let's go to Bert, who's calling now. Is Could this be, Bert, you're calling from the Ukraine itself? Holy crap, are you there? Hello? 
Yeah, now where are you? Uh, how are you listening to us? Oh, Curtis, right now I was listening. Um, sometimes I listen to you on WABC, the, your app, and um, and I have to use a VPN uh, for some reason. And sometimes I listen to you on, I think, iHeart, um, or sometimes another app called Simple Radio, I think. Um, but, yeah, um, that's, yeah, um, well, happy birthday, first of all. Well, oh, thank you. And, and by the way, Bert, where in the Ukraine are you listening to us uh, on WABC? Right now, I'm in Lviv, Western Park, um, and I'm here. Yeah, I, um, it's um, yeah. I just want to say it's uh, it's really nice talking to you. It's a big surprise. I was I was about to leave to get some supplies and um, go down to the train station to help some people there because uh, you probably heard there's a lot of refugees here. So every every day I try to go help a little, uh, try to help a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm really glad you, I got in touch with you. Now, where are you from originally, Bert? Connecticut. Oh, Connecticut. Which town? Uh, Fairfield County, uh, Fairfield, Milford, um, and Milford right now uh, is where my family is. And how did you end up in the Ukraine? Uh, let me tell you. Um, family. I, um, I have family here. Um, I, am, I have a wife here. I have a little seven-year-old here, which... Um, got out um right when the invasion started and um i stayed behind um i'll tell you quickly um yeah it was um you know when all the all these uh emer- all this emergency started to happen um uh the us was um telling everybody to get out and we were i was doing that um but it was difficult you know i tried to get some help but um in the end, um, I had my wife and my son leave. I had to stay behind because it, it was difficult for me for some medical reasons. But they left and were able to get to Poland. And um, I'm still here in Lviv um, with my mom-in-law and um, uh, brother-in-law. So I'm here. And for now, I'm, I'm staying behind because um, I'm able to help with whatever I can do. You know, even though I can leave, yes, but... Um, I just decided to stay because, you know, my son was born here, even though he's an American citizen, but he was born here in Lviv. And um, so I just decided to stay for now and um, and see into whatever I could while I'm here. Now, we have uh, seen pictures, obviously, of many of the cities, including Lviv, over towards the western border near Poland. Um, I've seen from the cities, it's very historic. It's very quaint. It has uh, huge historical uh, implications in the history of the Ukraine. How badly has uh, your city there been damaged, uh, and what is it like on a day-to-day basis there? Yeah, let me tell you. Um, this town, this area, is really like, uh, it is, like like you um, just said. It's uh, A lot of people compare it to, let's say, a little Paris, that kind of um, um, feeling. And it is it's, uh, quite historical, and it's it's beautiful, uh, very um, religious, you know, very good people. The the area, the the buildings, everywhere you go, it's just um, that kind of feeling. The right now, you see a lot of checkpoints. Um, you probably heard about all these people preparing, and that's that's the truth. Um, 
preparing everything just to get ready for um, any kind of uh, movement toward here. A week or so ago, we heard um, the bombs, some explosions. It was about two miles, about two miles from where um, I live right now, where they bombed uh, near the airport. And it's, um, it's people uh, are nervous, but they try to go about their, about their day. You know, it's, um, it's scary and it's, um, but I, I see a lot of nervous people, but brave people, you know, and a lot of people getting ready just for, and yeah, I see a lot of courage, you know, but nervousness, but courage, I guess you can say. Now, so many of them uh, speak Russian, uh, have an affiliation uh, with Russians who live in that country. Uh, did you ever in your wildest dreams assume that Vladimir Putin would give the orders to invade the Ukraine where you are now? I tell you, myself personally, I was getting ready months ago for such um, for something happening. People around here, you know, even within my family, immediate family here, I would even say my wife, um, her family, um, there's no, it can't happen. And I say, we have to get ready. You know, um, me personally speaking, um, I was um, just in, I, I did some things to get ready just in case, but um, really the, the thought was, um, no, it can't happen. Why, why, why would they do something like that? It really was. It was, and I tried to be in that um, mindset. No, it can't happen. But I was, I was still getting ready, and um, just in case it happened, and it was really for the majority. Probably, it's not everybody. It was a big surprise to see what's happening now. It's, it's, it really, it's, it's no, it's like nobody can believe it, and it's happening, and um, it's, um, it's, it's completely. People are thinking, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? You know, we're their neighbors. We have family there. They, you know, we know them. I have moms there. I have brothers there. You know, it's those type of um, conversations that people have. Why are they doing this? And and it's um, it's very sad, really, because um, especially for the kids, the children, and even even where I am now um, in Lviv, it's far away from the the a lot of the violence, but um, even you hear some bombs, especially a week ago, these bombs, it, it scares people, you know, it, it's, it's crazy for little children to hear these bombs and these, these sirens, sometimes they go off every hour, and it's, it's really scary for, uh, for, for everybody, really. and it's, um, a lot of people still are, and I can't believe this is happening, what's happening, what's happening, it's that kind of feeling, really. Well, now, Bert, Bert, were you there yeah. in 2014? Were you uh, in the Ukraine then, or were you back in yes. the United States? Yes. No, I, I was. Um, I was here right when the when the revolution was happening. I started. I, I, I came here about um, that January, right into 2014, and I was. Um, I went into. Um, I I witnessed a lot of demonstrations. I, I was even in Kiev. Um, um, when a lot of these demonstrations were going and a lot of the people were being killed by the, I don't know if you hear about these, um, these, um, these people that were shot. And, um, but yeah, I was here when pretty much when it all started and I decided, I, you know, I, I'm here and I, I really, I'm, I'm witnessing history 
and people were fighting for their, it really is for democracy, for their freedom, because they, they didn't want to be attached to that, um, really to the, to Russia and their restrictive um, methods of how they want to control people. And so, yeah, I, I've been here since really since 2014, pretty, quite constantly, um, consistently um, been coming here and, and been staying here, but um. I witnessed all this stuff since, since it's already been what is it um, six seven eight years already, so it's um, it's it's um, yeah I don't know what else to tell you but it's really sad well, what's going well, on. Well, are you uh, are you surprised at the amount uh, of resistance that has existed against the old uh, Soviet Russian might? Surprised? No, 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 because um, I, I see um, especially there's a a sense of people, you know, that that want to be like, I guess, the simple word is normal, or or be like every other. Um, I, I'll just say normal country, you know, like a free people that that uh, want to live their lives because people would just want to live their lives here, you know. People, you know, they want to have a job. People go about their daily lives. They they try to they they, they want to get a job. They want to buy their things. They want to have good jobs. They want to have a good future, and especially they want to have good futures for their for their kids, their children. They don't want to have to worry about their um, about the about violence in the future. But so this was a big, uh, big surprise. Or but it's um, not surprise at all. You know, because um, people just want to have a normal life, and it, and this all is disrupting that. You know, and they just and they're gonna fight for sure. It, it's not a surprise for sure. Um, but my everyday interactions with people, the um, that I since I've been here quite a few years, it's um, not not a big surprise at all because people just want to be lead normal lives, have normal um, jobs, interactions, uh, futures, stuff like like me and you would would want to have, you know, right. like now, would, now in, in response to what our president who's in Poland, uh, Joe Biden mm-hmm. and other, uh, European leaders, what is it from your vantage point, since you're in the westernmost large city in the Ukraine, an American who went over there from Connecticut, what is it that you think we should be doing? Have we done enough or is there more we should do? Uh, the, they're trying to do what they think is best, but um, if anything, it's um, it seems strong, um, but it, it also seems like piecemeal. You know, if um, they wanted to really affect what's going on to put an end to this, is to um, um, to have the greatest impact is, is to hit them, just blast them with the the, the sanctions and give them um, them the weapons that they need and they are giving them weapons for sure and they have a lot of help here in ukraine and um but there's a lot more they can do for sure um i understand there's some things there they might be apprehensive about as far as the the closing the airspace and stuff like that but they they can do a lot more and with the sanctions um they can do um they could just hit them really hard with the sanctions to um try to put an end to this and um so yeah well now in the, in the city that you are and leave in uh, western ukraine yeah um you chose as an american not to leave you could have uh because you're an american citizen 
But is there enough supplies for day-to-day life? Uh, I see um, uh, um, there's, there's more need for, um, you know, the basic supplies for for living because there's a lot of refugees coming this way and they um, it's so slow getting to the border sometimes, especially by train. You know, what I try to do is um, when I get to the those that area, the train station, I try to get, um, get the kids and some moms and get them on private buses to get to the border. But um, supplies, when you go to the supermarket, yeah, you're going to see um, supplies are low. But unfortunately, um, it's, it's easier to get um, supplies like that to this part of the country. So um, it's uh, and it's but what's really needed, I think, um, as more people are, are, are have to stay in this part of the, the country on the West, they need um um, supplies to be able to live, even if it's temporary with tents and things like that, water, basic supplies for sure. But um, um, that's what's needed the most as, um, on this part because um, a lot of people, you know, they have a sense, a little bit of sense of safety here, even though um, we've had bombs in this this part of the country. Um, and it's, um, so yeah, it, they need place, places to stay as the refugees come toward this way and as they head to the border. And really, people don't really want to leave the country, you know, but they, they want to protect their kids. You know, they're one babies, two-year-olds, five-year-olds, seven-year-olds. It's, it's terrible for a little kid to have to listen to sirens, to bombs, to anything like that. They want to protect them, which is understandable. So we want to get them out of this this whole, this whole situation. But right now, they need... Um, some place to stay comfortable, at least mattresses, cots or something, tents to protect them from the elements and to be comfortable with their kids. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, so a lot of people are doing the best they can, but that's that's the kind of help they need the most, something to protect, shelter. Yeah. Put it now, that way. now, it seems that the origin of this problem goes back to uh, the revolution 2014 when uh, the citizens ousted the uh, the uh, Russian, uh, uh, f- uh, the leader there, the president who is uh, mm-hmm. favoring mm-hmm. Putin and Russia. But there seems to be these ongoing battles that have occurred ever since in Donetsk and another area. These yeah. two, like I'll call them provinces, right on the eastern border. Yeah. Wouldn't it just be better uh, in order to avoid any further carnage uh, or damage uh, that Zelensky and his supporters just agree, hey, Putin, you're going to have those two provinces, but nothing more. That's it. Take those two provinces. We'll get our people out of there and end this war. You know what? I'm sure that's come up. Come up. You say, okay, you know what? Just take Crimea. Just take those provinces, that, that, that area, and promise this, promise that. But that's, you know what? That may rightfully so or not but um, may not be on the table. Because why do you want to give up your con- parts of your country because, um, for, uh, um, because what Russia says, okay, I'm going to take this. Because right now what they want to do, they, they're creating that land border or land bridge um, from Russia to Crimea. And, but they don't, you know, this country does not want to give up their country, you know, any part of their country. Why should, really, why should they? You know, and yes, maybe, it might create some peace, but maybe, most likely, 
then what? He'll he'll take more as 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 long as the leader in Russia is in control. This um this too much uncertainty. Not not only for Ukraine, but for everybody else, for our country, for for Europe, for the neighboring states. Yeah, and um, it's I don't know. It's it's just too much to ask for it, really. Well, you know what? Wanna... Uh, I think to many of us observing from uh, outside the Ukraine, I think what's amazing in this uh, really horrible war started by Vladimir Putin and the Russians that you're able to continue to talk. They haven't knocked out uh, all cell communication. You're able to have Internet connection. I'm sure you're able to watch uh, television, uh, local broadcasts uh, uh, from Ukrainian networks. Were you a bit surprised that we're now approaching the second month of the war and you're able to communicate? They haven't knocked out the cell. They haven't knocked out the Internet, which they have the capacity to do, and they haven't knocked out uh, your local TV stations? Well, sure I was, you know, yeah, because that, that was a concern for sure. And it probably was for, it's not for everybody, for, for most people. Um, but also at, uh, at the same time, if you, if you knock those things out, it's going to be harder for, for Russia to, um, to, to, to control or, or see what's going on because he, he wants to, um, use those, um, use that to see, um, what's going on, where people are. Um, um, he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't want to, completely destroyed the infrastructure of all of Ukraine. But um, at the same time, it's uh, kind of um, um, strategic. He doesn't want to destroy everything because at the same time, he wants to see what's going on. And the easier way to do that is by, um, see, um, by keeping these type of communications between in, in Ukraine, um, whether it's cell phones, Internet, all that stuff. So it's um, so. It's good for for everybody, and it's strategic for him to see what's going on. Because, um, but at the same time, you know, it's um, it well, lets now, everybody know in the world what's going on. In- now, Bert, as a uh, American from Connecticut, who's in leave the westernmost city in Ukraine, large city, right near the Polish border. Uh, how do you view Zelensky, and how did you originally view your president uh, when he was the king of all comedy, the number one entertainer, and when he first got elected president? Well, well, I remember um, uh, Poroshenko, and um, and a lot of people liked him, and certain certainly I liked him, and and uh, I re- actually I remember when um, he was running for president, Zelensky, and um, and. My thoughts were, um, it, it, it was almost like a toss-up, but at the same time, he had this, it really was charisma, you know, you know, because he was a, a comedian, a comedian, an actor before, and so he had, I saw, he had a big chance, and he won. And he, like like a lot of presidents, you know, they have their their dreams, what they want to do, their, and he got everybody excited. So, you know, it's, I was happy for for the the people here, you know, and um, and and sure, he's he's had a lot of criticism, and you see a lot of. Uh, I'm sure most people the say in, in my country, USA, don't follow so closely, and I I, I do here because I'm here, and I follow it closely. So um, there's uh, there's always trouble here, and criticism, and now what he's done, I'm sure you 
probably will agree what he's done in these la- this last month or so by staying here, by virtue of him staying here with a lot of his, um, um, the leaders here and not leaving has um, gained him so much. Um, he's uh, inspired, uh, well, ins- inspiration, you know. And, oh, um, there's no, no doubt he's become a worldwide figure. But in day-to-day life before Russia invaded, before Vladimir Putin started banging the war drums, we've been told that just in day-to-day life there was a lot of corruption in the Ukraine. Was that something you discovered when you moved there? Let me tell you, the corruption, you know, um, there are a lot of stereotypes. For sure, corruption is um, first. And uh, personally, the corruption is really higher up. Like you see like um, you see in the, in the government, the higher-ups, the, I don't know, I guess the right word, like you would say, the muckety-mucks, and they're, they're um, up there in the government and these higher-ups. And, um, and yeah, and um, and it's, it's, it's true to, to an extent, but the people, it's no, they, they do not want, they, they, they go out of the way to not be corrupt. They want things to be not corrupt, you know, um, but... Um, the corruption is really up there, and I, I think, you know, they, they're trying. This country is trying for sure, and um, they, and for sure, after while this is going on, this war, it's going to joke them and, and and punch them into reality that it's got to stop everywhere. And um, now, now, on that note, Bert, uh, my final question uh, for yeah. you and leave uh, in the western part of the Ukraine. Is uh, Putin, you've watched Putin over the years. He had a following in the Ukraine, although not uh, a lot of people, but uh, he had support in the Ukraine. What changes have you seen him go through? Because he's been a fixture in your lives there since the revolution in 2014. Well, the the biggest thing is that he he feels that he has a lot of um, more power, which which I guess would be... um, natural because he he's figured out a way to to stay in power and which gives him the feeling that he can do more and it seems really like um he may be now because um it's when you have um somebody that nobody contest anything that you do and agrees with everything you do and it makes you feel like um, okay I can do this I can do that I'll do this and everybody's behind me but then suddenly reality sets in sets in you know and um, but um, and it seems like well hopefully it's going to go the um, badly for him because it's um, the best thing that can happen is for um for, for new leadership in um, in Russia and um, and hopefully he he'll come you know he'll um, realize what's what what he's done is not is not in um, the best interest of not only his country for for for, for anybody. Well, I, I want to wish you, uh, Bert, and your loved ones there. Uh, since uh, you married uh, into Ukrainian family. Uh, you could have left because you have the American passport. They would have allowed you to leave like uh, many other uh, immigrants. They are those that were working there from other countries. So we all salute you uh, for staying and hanging tough. 
and uh, really being able to so eloquently describe to us what's happening in uh, your neck of the Ukraine along the uh, Polish border. We have uh, the city, major, major city, uh, as you've described, uh, and also what's going on in the rest of your country. So be safe there. Continue to help those refugees who are streaming towards Poland. And feel free uh, from time to time, Bert, to give us a call and uh, give us an update on what's happening. Thank you very much. And, Curtis, I want to tell you one last thing. Sure. Go ahead, Bert. (laughs) I was over 11 pounds when I was born. (laughs) Uh, 11 pounds when you were born. I had you by two pounds. Nobody can believe it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're a big baby, but uh, now you're quite the man, uh, not only uh, representing your family and your community, but also uh, pride as an American. We're all proud of what you're doing there, Bert, and trying to help in whatever way you can and deciding that you would improve, not move, you would uh, stay and not flee. And uh, Godspeed to you and everybody else who is trying to repulse uh, the Russian invasion of Vladimir Putin. Uh, It was an unexpected uh, birthday present for me uh, on this, my 68th birthday, to get right from Leah, from Bert, a fellow American, originally from Connecticut, Fairfield County, who met a girl, got married there, raised a family, and has decided to stay. Yes, and a great, great um, entry back into the program created by the voice of WABC, Chris uh, Libertini. And uh, I do feel like much of this program uh, tonight has been uh, very similar to what we all grew up with uh, as baby boomers, in which um, you had this is your life. Oh, yeah. I remember the uh, great uh, program that it was. I think originally it started in the BBC, and then... um, had a thousand episodes uh, in America before This Is Your Life was uh, put to sleep. Great program. Great program. By the way, who was the host of This Is Your Life? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go, if we can, to uh, Joe Giuseppe, who's calling from Ronkonkoma. Your turn to be heard on this, my 68th birthday that I'm celebrating at WABC, Joe. Hey, Kurt, it's happy birthday. I was calling, uh, I got disconnected. I'm glad I got reconnected. Uh, remember, 68, new 48. My wife saw you on Gutfeld. She thought you were in your early 50s. Uh, very happy birthday. I've got a couple things I want to get to. Uh, number one, tomorrow is my uh, sister's birthday, uh, Gina from Lake Grove, and my daughter is on the same day also. She's turning 15 tomorrow, Adriana from Ronkakuma. Uh Great kid, Curtis, like your son, you know, a good kid and uh, doesn't do drugs and born up correctly. Um, but the reason why I'm mainly calling Curtis was um, about Frank Morano. Uh I listen to him all the time, and... Uh, I love him. He's a great broadcaster. But I had to get something off my uh, chest, and I know you would appreciate me calling you. A couple of weeks ago, um, I'm trying to hold back. Uh, I'm trying to be serious here. Um, Frank Morano was talking about he's going to visit his in-laws out in eastern Long Island. 
So I called in and I in a personal invitation for him to come by, stop by Ron Konkuma, and stop by to enjoy a cigar and a, a little glass of bourbon. And he said that he would try if he had if time would allow. So I called back that week, and you know I said I just wanted to confirm with him because you know we cleaned our house. I told him I would be standing next to exit 59 with my family. We had signs made up and, you know, I went to the ping pong table. Oh, uh, yeah. And we were on the expressway with signs, welcoming Frank Morano. And then we see poor Rachel. Uh, She's, she's an angel driving. And there's, there's Frank in the front seat. He had a cheap cigar hanging out of his mouth. And my wife said, is that Frank Morano? And I was like, yeah, that's him. And baby Carmine nicely buckled up in the back of the car. Uh, you know, and my wife said, that baby's eating a foot-long sub. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, I was like, Sydney, I was like amazed. The kid, you're right, is a big kid. And uh, they're passing. And my wife's like, they're not stopping. And uh, they kept going. And. My wife was so upset because we, you know, we uh, we got a house all ready. I told neighbors that Frank was coming, and and uh, you know, and uh, I PM'd him on Facebook. I'm like, Frank, that was us, and uh, he answered me back a day later and uh, said, "Sorry, I, 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 you know." And he was like, and his wife looks like such a nice person, Curtis, such a nice person, and. Uh, you know, I went out and I bought him a, a cigar, a Connecticut Rapid cigar that he told me to get. I bought him a personal one and a nice bottle of bourbon. And I had a nice welcome sign in front of my house. And it, it was really nice. And, uh. You know what? I, I, I think was, it was, Joe. I think it was this. Uh, who was driving? His, his poor wife. I yeah, mean, yeah. oh, my God. Right. Now, uh, Rachel was not privy to the conversation. Obviously, Frank was. But what time of the day was it that he was out there in Ronkonkoma? Well, 12.30, 1 o'clock, he told me. He actually, another gentleman called from Center Reach a couple of weeks, and he said that he would have beeped to him. Also, he's making these promises. And I'm like, I just, and I like Frank. And I'm like, I actually went to my daughter's lacrosse game a couple of days ago wearing his hat. And people knew about this, you know, like, take his hat off, burn it. And I was like, and I was like sitting there, Curtis, trying to hold a straight face because I, I thought they were going to jump me because I had his hat on. I had to secretly put it in the sleeve of my coat. And, uh, I, you know, if I'm sure if I had one of your hats on, you know, like, uh, they would have been, like, cheering. But I guess, you know, they knew what happened. My whole family was so distraught over this. Now, wait, and, see what um, you got to understand this, uh, Frank Morano is a lot like the former U.S. Senator of New York, Daniel Patrick Moynihan. By 12 noon, he's had like four dry martinis. Man, he is like blitzed, especially on a day that he's not working. My wife was a big, big fan of his because I started off listening to WABC radio back when you had the weekend guy, Frankie Russo, and she didn't care for him because he was too loud. And she liked Morano because he was uh, very reserved, and he's you know he's got an excellent show, and she thinks you're great, and because uh, she saw you on Gutfeld, and she said that you you handled yourself really well on that program, and uh, she started listening to you, and uh, she was shocked. 
she was so shocked. I mean, well, I, I want like, you, I want you, Joe, you and your wife, I understand that uh, took a lot out of you because there it is. You clean out your whole house. You got the signs right on, right on the major artery uh, out, uh, going out towards Montauk. You, 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 everybody knows he's coming. And I have a feeling, knowing Frank, uh, because he's so absent-minded. You got to understand, I've known Frank for many, many years. The guy is completely absent-minded. And when it comes to directions, forget it. He's the last guy in the world you'd want to ever be guided by. That Rachel may have had no idea what was transpiring. It's like 12 noon. He's half in the bag because it's his day off. Carmine is safe and secure in the back seat. So they blow right past you, and poor Rachel probably didn't know, Joe. Yeah, Curtis, that's what my wife said. My, my wife said exactly what she was saying. Uh, you know, she was like, you know, and, and if I put on, like, his podcast, my wife will come and grab my phone, and I, we can't mention that word, his last name in the house anymore. Uh, oh, my God. And I'm, I'm Italian. You know, I'm 100% Italian, and my wife's Irish and German. And, you know, you've been married four times, Curtis. I've been married once, and you know they never let you let it down. That's right. That's right. But I, I will tell you this, Joe. Uh, I'm sure if Frank had been sane and sober, he would have stopped. Uh, you got to understand, I've been in a car with Frank, in a car in which he didn't know where he was going. He was lost. I mean, we were out there in Jersey on the New Jersey Turnpike. He ran out of gas. He ran out of gas, Joe. Uh, we pushed the car up on a little hill. It was right on the way to the Outer Bridge Crossing. We were going to be going to Staten Island. He said, you stay here, Curtis, with the vehicle. I'll go get the gas. And he took the gas can out of the back of the vehicle. And he disappeared. And he didn't show up for like three hours. Joe, he got lost, Joe. But yeah, I, 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 like I said, listen to what you say about him, and I was like shocked. Like I said, I was shocked. And then imagine leaving you. I mean, you can handle yourself, of course, Curtis. Uh, if something was ever to go down, but and well, the funny thing was, uh, I know his wife drives an SUV, and he brought it into that WABC radio, and he got a ticket. And I, the, the car he was driving that time, I think it was his car. And you're right, you see their feet hanging out of the bottom. Because it's like a Fred Flintstone call, and I, you know, maybe she couldn't stop fast enough. That's what my wife is saying. Yeah, no, no. I think uh, I think it's just Frank. It's very absent-minded. Whenever he has to be involved in directions, there was another time I was doing morning drive at AM nine seventy, the answer, and then coming all the way back into New York uh, to do uh, evening drive. And uh, I would get to, uh, I would have to transit from Penn Station out to uh, uh, the station in Secaucus, uh, which was uh, named after the U.S. Senator Frank Lautenberg, who had passed away. And I was standing there, and Frank was coming in from Staten Island. He was my producer, and he couldn't find the station, Joe. He was sane and sober. This is like 4, 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning. He's going round and round. I'm saying, Frank, right here. Frank Lautenberg, you can't miss the station. And he just kept going round and round. I finally, I had to grab a cab and go to the station. I said, Frank, what happened? He goes, I'm horrible when it comes to directions. Uh, I get lost all the time. So you and your wife, you got to really forgive him. You got to forgive him, Joe. 
said, I, like I said, I, I haven't really said much. I call him Frank well, once or twice a week. And, like, I didn't want to bring it up because, you know, like I said, I don't even tell my wife that I'm calling in anymore, Curtis, because I don't want to go to divorce court over this whole thing. Oh, you know? no, 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 I know. I know how you feel, Joe. I know how you feel. But having been in that situation with Frank Morano, uh, he runs out of gas. He then takes the gas can. He's going to walk over and find a gas station. He's gone two, three hours. He got lost looking for a gas station. Got lost. Uh, I kid you not. And then the time I'm there in the Frank Lautenberg station in Secaucus, it's an easy pickup. And he couldn't find the station. He was going round and round. I was asking, what's the exit? He was going round and round. You can't miss the Lautenberg station in Secaucus. It's so big. And it's all lit up in the wee hours of the morning. I think uh, we got to give a little slack to Frank. uh, Because if Rachel had known, uh, she would have just taken control of the situation. But 12 in the afternoon, it's a day that Frank isn't working. Look. Four dry martinis. How would what shape would you any of you be in if you had four dry martinis? He talks about that all the time too. Anyway, let's go to uh, Dave calling from Comac. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. Birthday, Curtis. Oh, well, thank you, thank you, Dave. Should I sing Happy Birthday to you? Oh, well, wait a second. You're not Marilyn Monroe. You're not Lady <laughs> Gaga. You're a guy singing Happy Birthday to me. Absolutely. All right, let's give it a roll. Although I'll tell you what, uh, I'm not going to be excited as if it was uh, Lady Gaga, Marilyn Monroe, or Beyonce. Go ahead. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Day, dear Curtis. Happy birthday to you. Acceptable. Um, But I can tell you I am in complete heterosexual mode because uh, I didn't even get a tingle that went up my back leg when you were singing that, Dave. At any rate, Curtis, I had an idea for you, for your show. A new name of your show uh, could be uh, Complex, excuse me, Common Sense Solutions for Complex Problems. Wow, that's a mouthful. Ooh, Common Sense Solutions for Complex Problems. I will... uh, Add that to the pile. Unfortunately, uh, the owners and operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, owners and operators of Red Apple Media, our parent company at WABC, and Chad uh, Lopez, our general manager, have sorted through over 380 suggestions for a new name for the other side of Midnight Weekend Edition if Frank Morano had a hissy fit uh, about, and now they're going to let Frank pick the name. Frank uh, will uh, go to a rear office here that is uh, locked, is a combination lock. Frank will have full access to all the uh, names, and he will have to have chosen a name so that Chris Libertini, who does all the schematics uh, for WABC, the voice of uh, WABC, can actually come up with an opening. So when I return uh, at 12 midnight, we will have the new name of the show with a new opening. But they're leaving it all to Frank Morano. Need I say more? 
Item is 1-800-848-9222. Oh, yeah, rev up your engines. Because uh, we got an unexpected call from leave in the Ukraine. A listener of ours when he was here in Connecticut in Fairfield. And now that he's there with his family and has decided not to leave, even though he could, he's got the American passport. He gave us a great update. Uh, and that was all in league with trying to resolve the mystery, as Frank Morano often does on the other side of midnight. He sets up a series of mysteries that have never quite adequately been answered. But the biggest mystery that is haunting all of us right now is the calls that we have received. Two occasions from a gentleman named Junior with his dog Rusty who says that he is a neighbor of Frank Morano, and he has been extraordinary in ratting him out. Uh, So far, uh, Frank has been very evasive, uh, as you noticed in the original uh, question that uh, one of his listeners had asked him on uh, Friday mornings, uh, his segment, Ask uh, Frank Anything. He uh, couldn't have been more interested in getting out of that question about who this guy, Junior and Rusty, are. Uh, We'll stay on it, though, because this mystery must be resolved. Uh, Let's first go to Butchie, who's calling from the neck in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on this, my 68th birthday here at WABC, Butch. Who gives a crap about your birthday? You got Steve from Manhattan on phone for three hours. You're a clown. You are a total clown, phony SOB, and you know it, too. That is Steve from Manhattan. I mean, he didn't even try to. Boy, he must be getting a, a little weak here. And normally, uh, you know, we let him on, Steve. He gets to talk more than he does on uh, other shows. But he didn't even try to hide his uh, voice on that one. Ah, that's that's pretty low budget. He's probably having an off day. An off day. Like, hey, Frank had that off day when he was going out, promised to stop to see Joe and his family there in Ronkonkoma. And like I said, he can't hold Frank. It's probably his day off. Rachel is driving. She knows nothing about it. Carmine is in the back seat, strapped into the baby chair. So um, everybody's just got to take a chill pill. It's my birthday here. Steve getting all bent out of shape in Manhattan. Let's go to Peter in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Yes, Curtis. You know what? Frank has been very loyal to you. You, know, you got a lot of that broad in you where you get jealous when somebody's doing better than you are. Hey, you can't work with the broads that you work with. You can't work with the guys. Frank in the old station used to be your biggest supporter. You were a moron when you started on talk radio. And I'm a, I'm a professional listener. And now you have acquired some kind of maturity. Give it up, Curtis. You've got the flunkies that like you. Why are you going to destroy this kid? By the way, i got a name for your show. Uh, what you is that, Peter? It? What is that? Yes. Uh, Curtis, the L-Y-N-G, Lionhearted. Hmm. What does that acronym stand for? L-Y-N-G is lying instead of lying. Thank oh, you. oh, oh, lying. L-Y-I-N-G. Uh, that was a good call by Peter. Defending Frank Morano's honor. Suggesting because uh, Frank Morano is uh, leading in the ratings here at WABC. He is uh, 
set a new record uh, overnight, set even in his best day, Alan B. Combs. Uh, we miss him dearly, who did overnight radio, did great theater of the mind, uh, was not able to equal, nor the Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown, the Fourth Ward of Patterson. That's right. Art Bell grew up there. His father, a building superintendent, he used to go to the rooftop and listen in the wee hours of the morning to the old WMCA when it was the number one talkie station in the Northeast Corridor. To Long John Nebo and Candy Jones in the overnights. Uh, Long John, he convinced us that Candy Jones was a CIA agent. You talk about great theater of the mind. And that's where he uh, learned. He learned his style of broadcasting. Uh, and Frank actually has superseded him in the ratings. So maybe uh, maybe I am a little jealous, a little envious after hosting uh, radio programs, all different types, as uh, Peter described himself, a professional listener. He is. He's like Steve from Manhattan. They go back to the days of the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, who gave me my chance in talk radio, without whom I wouldn't be on talk radio because it was left to the suits, the mockers, the muckety-mucks, of the old WABC, uh, they wouldn't have had me sweep the floors or clean the toilets. They said to Bob Grant, are you kidding? This guy is like a street urchin. Uh, we can't have him on the air. And as, as uh, Bob Grant said, uh, with greater ratings than anyone has ever achieved in talk radio, he said, Curtis needs to be on the radio. He knows where all the bones are buried and who buried it. And because he had the weight of being the number one talk show host in America, that's right, in all of America, uh, they had to do what Bob Grant said. And that's how I got my opportunity. Now you know the rest of the story. But yeah, 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 Peter is uh, correct. I've taken umbrage to uh, many of the uh, upstart things that Frank Morano has done as he's flexing his way to the top of the ratings chart. And leaving the rest of us behind. So that was a good call, a good constructive criticism call. Anyway, let's go uh, to Janet, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC on my 68th birthday, Janet. Oh, hi, Curtis. Hi. Um, yeah, happy birthday. And I wanted to say something a couple of hours ago. Somebody was being very negative about Anthony Weiner. And I just want to remind people of a few things, things they may have forgotten or things they don't know, maybe they never knew. Uh, Anthony Weiner was a very good congressman, and before he got into all that trouble he got into, and we, we know about the trouble, and we know he's paid the price for that and hopefully recovered from all of that. But I'll never forget something that he did on the floor of the House. You remember something called the Zadroga Bill, right? Oh, yeah. Zadroga Bill, named for a man named Zadroga. I don't remember if he had passed away by then or was just sick. He was one of the people that you talk about a lot, that ad that says that uh, if you were in the area, you know, you don't even have to be a first responder, but you're, you're eligible for benefits, you know. Well, uh, Mr. Zadroga, I think, was one of the first responders. He became very sick sometime after uh, he was at the pile, you know, at the World Trade Center. And they passed the Zadroga bill, which would give health care benefits and disability benefits to anyone that had to prove they were there and they had to prove they had a certain kind of cancer and all that. And when it came time to refund that bill, and I don't remember what year this was, you know, the conservatives, the red states, 
that hate spending money and hate spending money on New Yorkers, even though we here, we took the hit for the whole country here in New York, and our first responders, you know, got sick from it, and they didn't want to refund that bill. And Mr. Anthony Weiner got on the floor of the House, and he made a speech that is something to hear. He was full of passion. He was full of brilliance. He did exactly what a congressman is supposed to do. He fought for his constituents. He fought for his city, and they got the bill. I think they did get the bill uh, renewed yes, and refunded. Yes, and uh, credit to your memory, he stood there at times alone, eventually joined by Republican Peter King, Carolyn Maloney, uh, others uh, who were part of the congressional delegation. But it's uh, you're absolutely right, Janet. He 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 wouldn't let other Congress people not address that situation that there had to be a medical program to care for those who uh, had suffered as a result of the attack of 9-11. We we know later John Stewart did a magnificent job coming to the aid of the men and women uh, who um, had medical issues as a result of serving in what was the uh, world's largest crematorium. But yes, uh, there's no doubt about it. When he was on the floor of the Congress, Anthony Weiner led led in that capacity. Absolutely. Yeah, no, so no. Got- in fact, uh, do you listen to the show that I do with Anthony Weiner Saturdays from two to four? Uh, Saturday afternoons is not that that much of a, of a listening, a radio listening time for me. But I do catch it sometimes, and I appreciate what he well, says. Well, I tell and you he- what, I tell you what, Janet, you want to listen today from two to four if for any reason you can't. You got to go to the podcast. Very special today from two to four. That's all I can say. Hush, hush, much, much. Uh, management will not allow me to say anything further. You got to be watching, listening, starting at two o'clock today. It's just in a few hours. We are approximately, oh, about eight and a half hours away to two o'clock. So when do you sleep? Do they they give you a hotel room? You go home and sleep, and then you come back, or what? Well, 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 what hotel room? Are you kidding? Uh, I tell you what. I've always believed in this. You probably heard this from me before. Uh, I believe there'll be plenty of time to sleep when we're dead, because when we're dead, what do they do? They put you in a casket, they fold your arms, give you half shoes, a half suit, and then you take a dirt bath. It's over, Janet. The problem is, Curtis, that if you don't sleep well while you're alive, <clears throat> you'll get that big sleep a lot sooner. You see, this is the problem. Ah, yeah, no, no, no. Look, I get some. It's not like I walk around in a zombified manner, but I grab a little here, a little there. Since I am a cat with nine lives who's used up eight lives, imagine me taking little cat naps. Oh, I guess, yeah. I guess you could take a cat nap, and then you go home after that show and, and sleep until the next day, probably. Well, I don't no, know. no, no, no. They, I, I don't have that luxury, Janet. Anyway, though, Janet has sparked me to announcing that... In just a few hours, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, you've got to be listening. Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis Lee, a very special occasion. I can't say anything more. I can't say anything more. Let's go to Frank in Staten Island. Uh, is, is this Frank Morano, Frank? Yes, how are you, Curtis? Happy birthday to you. Oh, okay. Now, what's your last name, Frank? Dave, S-T-A-I-B, I spoke to you like three weeks ago about that hat situation with uh, Frank Marino. 
I gave that donation to Catholic charities, but I never, re- I still didn't receive no hat. Oh, Madonna, my! I can't believe this, Frank. You, so you gave the donation to Catholic charities. Uh, that was to Vinnie Ignizio at the time, former city council member, assembly member, who was uh, head of Catholic charities Mount Saint Laredo. A very good cause, I might add, Frank. I, I want to applaud you for doing that. Uh, but you've yet to receive your hat. Let me let me do this on behalf of my birthday, Frank, and you give me. I'm going to do something I normally would not do. Uh, uh, Carmela, Carmesita, what is your name again, please? Our phone screener, Camelia. Could you take Frank's information, and I will. We will send him two hats. We will send him the Curtis Lee with WABC hat and the Frank Morano hat, so you have both of them, Frank. Oh, I really appreciate that, Curtis. Thank oh. you very much. You're a very nice gentleman. Well, right, I know. It's, uh, okay, I want to do something nice uh, for Frank Morano since it's my birthday. And Peter, who gave me a tongue lashing, the professional listener, and he is, going way back to the days of uh, Bob Grant, uh, reminded me that Frank has been uh, my biggest supporter at times. And... Um, well, let's just say it is a love-hate relationship. Love sometimes, hate sometimes. You just never know. That's why you have to listen to all 20 hours of Frank Morano, 1 to 5, Monday through Fridays. This way you can rat them out to me. And you got to listen to me. Overnights, the name still to be determined, believe it or not, by Frank Morano in the next few hours from uh, 1 o'clock to 6 o'clock, Saturday mornings. And then so nice, I do it twice with an additional hour, 12 midnight to 6 a.m., Sunday mornings. What a great song, Dirty Dancing. Oh, and that's what I spent a lot of my life doing. Dancing, dirty dancing, as many people know, obviously no longer. Married to the keeper, my uh, wife Nancy. Uh, But there was a time where I was footloose and fancy free and had the time of my life for all the bad things and harmful things that have happened to me. Just going to the clubs, the after-hour clubs, and then to be dancing to the break of dawn. Oh. Like a whirling dervish. Anyway, uh, let's go to the phones as we've been trying to solve the mystery. Uh, Frank Morano is very good at throwing mysteries out there for all of his listeners to somehow solve. Uh, It is uh, in reference to who Junior and Rusty are, who have uh, been neighbors of Frank. And have been writing them out to us, and I believe we have uh, Junior on the line right now. Is this the Junior? It is. Good morning, Curtis. Happy birthday. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Junior. Thanks for responding to the mystery, because uh, uh, I don't know if you heard Frank uh, respond to some of his callers when uh, they asked about you. You're a very popular addition here uh, to the uh, Curtis Lewa Unknown Name to be Determined show. But can you give us a little bit more insight about Frank? Yes, I can, Curtis. Uh, when I called Camellia a couple hours ago, uh, I couldn't hardly breathe. I had been through a gamut of emotions. 
and it all it all started around 2 a.m. Uh, when me and Rusty first hit the sidewalk this morning. Oh, it was terrible. Um, me and Rusty had ducked down two doors down from Frank, and uh, I kind of pushed Rusty's belly down in some bushes on that side of the house, and I told him to be very quiet. I knew Frank was up to something, and he came down the front steps, went over into the middle of the front lawn where the gentleman where he had stuffed the trash a month ago, and he kind of locked his fingers around the base of a young sapling so he wouldn't fall and keep his balance, and I couldn't believe my eyes. He actually defecated on that man's lawn, and... uh, then it went from bad to worse. He's seen me and Rusty somehow. I've seen him start to look, and his head snapped, and he he stared into the darkness where we were. And he jumped up out of that squatting position, and I got very scared. I started running for my life. I lifted Rusty up by the front shoulders, and I said, run, 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 because Frank started screaming, F you, F you, F you, Junior. And I said, oh, my God. And he was gaining ground on us. So we ran faster and faster. And I was pretty scared because the man was in an outrage. But um, all of a sudden it turned to anger because he started screaming, F you, F you, Rusty, F you. And he said, I'll kill you, Rusty. And nobody does that to my faithful, uh, trusted uh, companion, Rusty. And I turned around and stopped, and I got very angry. And he kind of slowed down, turned around, and went back to his home. But that's the camel that broke the back when he started threatening the life of my trusted companion, Rusty, you know. And... um. I got home here, I couldn't stop shaking, and I was going to console in my wife, but I could hear her snoring in there in the bedroom, and I didn't want to wake her up, so I called Camelia, and I told her what happened briefly, and she told me to hold the line. It's been a couple hours ago, so I'm, I've calmed down a little bit. Uh, I thought of the reason I was originally going to call you this weekend. I was wondering if you could provide me with a direct phone number to Chad Lopez because I feel like Frank scammed a, an elderly lady yesterday morning on his scam of a contest, uh, $1,000 minute. And um, I need to, I tried to call your business office yesterday, but I didn't have any luck. And uh, also, Frank busted me out. He had a segment on... Uh, old-time radios, which I'm interested in. I got about 10 of them sitting here. And uh, I called him up, and I went with an alias. I said I was Amio in Ohio. And he said, is your father Tom Bodet, Emil? I said, why do you ask that, Frank? He said, well, and as he hung up on me, he said, tell your trusted friend, Rusty, I send my very best. And... uh, so he busted me out by my voice, I guess. But uh, anyway, I, I tried to call the business office because he scammed an elderly lady. 
Um, her ace question would have won her a hundred dollars, and he asked her uh, what. What, which one of the five boroughs did Woody Allen make a movie of back in the 80s? And she hesitated and said Manhattan. And then she said it was a murder mystery. And Frank went, no, I'm sorry. He said the answer we were looking for was Manhattan. But all she said was it was Manhattan. And then she went on to describe it was a murder mystery. So I didn't think that was right, so I tried to call your business office with no avail. But um, maybe you can have Camelia provide me with this Chad Lopez, general manager, somebody's phone number, and uh, I can uh, voice my concern there. Also, he denounced you, Curtis. He said you faked your own kidnapping. It was some years back, but... He had to denounce you on the denunciation segment on Thursday. Wow! But I heard I heard the thousand uh, dollar a minute, like you mentioned, scam. You're right. Uh, the woman should have at least had the opportunity to complete the contest. And you're right. He cut her off. Uh, one thing, Junior. It's amazing because. Frank is an excellent athlete. Uh, I've seen him on the diamond running around. He's a hell of a lot faster than you would anticipate based on his size. He's a great baseball player. And when he's playing baseball, he gets very emotional, very fired up. So I could easily have seen him chasing you, Junior, and Rusty down the block after doing a squat and thrust to fertilize uh, that tree that's growing in his yard. Yeah, I was scared for my life, Curtis. Uh I hate to admit it, you know, being a male and everything, but uh, he was in such a rage. I didn't know what he was going to do. I didn't know if maybe he had a concealed carry. But, uh, you know, I just turned around and thought, you're not going to threaten the life of Rusty, my trusted companion. Yes, yes. And, no, totally uh, understood. And, yeah. and Junior, I want to salute you because you uh, put yourself out at great risk to do as I've asked uh, all of our listeners to do, uh, which is to listen, as you have, to Frank Morano every morning from 1 to 5, five mornings a week. That's 20 hours of listening, including the many business reports he does, because you never know if he'll slip a mickey. You know, something undetected in that business report. Uh, I listen to it meticulously. Everybody else should. Uh, and then uh, to eat the Parmesan cheese and rat him out to me. So I can know what's going on when I'm patrolling with the guardian angels in the subways that are completely out of control now, Junior. And Curtis, I do apologize for uh, breaking down and calling his show, but I did what you asked. I I was probably in my 19th or 20th hour, and I just got so bored listening to him that I thought, well, maybe I'll participate. You know, I'm I've always been interested in radios and. Uh, I knew I was busted out when he said, is your father Tom Bodet? Hmm. And and he hung up, and then I turned the radio back on. He said, uh, by the way, I send my very best to your trusted companion, Rusty. But Yeah, but uh, you, know what, you, you know what that means, Junior, out in Staten Island. That's like uh, the kiss uh, of death. So you heard from the mystery man himself, Junior. About poor little Rusty.
He walks each and every uh, morning out in Staten, Italy, where Frank Morano lives with his beautiful wife, Rachel, while they raise their young son, Carmine. And he's been known to do some uh, bizarre things, uh, you know, in his lawn. Hey, look, he's got the right to fertilize uh, his growing elm there. I mean, you know, they do say that natural fertilizer is the best fertilizer. You know, let's just hope that uh, he doesn't put it in the little brown containers that they have for those who put it out for trash collection. Uh you know, so that it naturally works its way into the environment. Well, that guy Junior's a brick. He's really like, he's watching him. All I need for all of you to do is just listen to him as much as is humanly possible. When you can't listen, go to the podcast. You'll see not just Frank Morano's podcast. There's also a special podcast he has about the mob. I forget the exact name of it, but you'll see a picture there that he looks like uh, he's a made guy. It could be uh, the Gambino crime family. He's all buffed up. He's got that polyester waffle weave shirt on. He's got the uh, he's got the uh, gold chain, you know, with the crucifixes and the Italian cornu, the little Italian uh, horns. Yeah, you look at that and you say, God, he's not a wannabe, man. He looks like he could be the real deal. Anyway, let's go to Kevin, who's calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kevin. Wiener is a pervert. You hate Italians, but you want to campaign in Staten Island for someone for governor. That's crazy. Uh, Steve in Manhattan is trying to ruin my uh, 68th birthday here at WABC. Uh, also, my uh, headphones have gone out. They've blown out. That's right. I think uh, with Junior telling his tale uh, about uh, Rusty, I can no longer hear this program. So what started out so good, so nice for my 68th birthday has now gone asunder. Is an attempt here at Sabatucci. You know, this has happened from time to time when uh, our discronificator has not worked, when all of a sudden it has been problematic, and all of a sudden we have a problem getting the uh, phone calls in on the AM station, and then we have the spectrometer that uh, tries to deal with the uh, calls that are coming in on the uh, FM station. So it can be very problematic. Oh, boy. Here we go. I think we got it. I think we got it. Carmilla, Carmelessa. What's your name again? Camelia. Camelia. Yes. All right. Here here it is. Oh, okay. Now now I can hear. I see this must have been the curse of Steve from Manhattan. Must have been the curse of Steve from Manhattan. Wow. Junior's really doing a noble job out there. He's on point. Now that I can hear again, let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Uh, Your turn to be heard here on WABC on my 68th birthday, Pete. Happy birthday, Curtis. Happy birthday, Curtis. This is Renee, Pete's wife. 
Bye. Yeah, this is the original from Staten Island. I think somebody called in, tried to imitate us, but nobody could imitate because they don't have Renee. I have Renee right here, and we wanted to wish you a happy birthday and uh, all the best. And uh, you're going to be at the parade uh, today in, uh, in in Brooklyn uh, with uh, Andrew. He's a wonderful guy. I met him. I had time to speak to him about a year ago when they honored uh, Mayor Giuliani at uh, Snug Harbor, and I spoke to you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I appreciate you and your wife uh, calling on this, my birthday, because uh, everything was going so well, really well, and then all of a sudden when uh, Junior and Rusty called, uh, it, it just, everything started to go haywire at that point. You notice that, Pete? Wow. Yeah, I was listening to the whole show, like always I try to. And, uh, you know, the main thing is I tried a little earlier, but your show is so popular. It's uh, a lot of people calling in, which is a great thing. And, uh, you know, I enjoy you. I always have for all these years because you bring a lot to the table. And you know about a lot of things, especially the mob and what really goes on in the city and everything. And uh, it's important to get the message out. You know, this is uh, real radio and tells the truth. Television has been a bunch of lies. I don't even watch it no more, basically, unless there's some good movie or sporting event on, which, you know, I'm in my Castro convertible watching the uh, football and everything. And then now looking forward to the baseball. I have a nephew that got laid off uh, because of the uh, mandates, and he's an entertainer, too. So I don't know how it's going to work. He's going to go to court if he's going to be given dispensation for being uh, 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 a performer. That should be that he should have a city job back, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, remember, that's what I campaigned on. I marched with the civil servants across the Brooklyn Bridge. Thousands, remember, when we flooded City Hall, uh, when Bill de Blasio, then the mayor, and candidate uh, Eric Adams turned their back on these heroes who went out as essential workers when others uh, remained at home, fearful that the coronavirus would uh, take their lives. They put everything at risk. Some of them chose not to get the vaccines. And instead of just having them tested every week, as what happened originally, de Blasio first and then his tag team partner, Eric Adams, said, tough noogies, you either get vaccinated or you get fired. And remember, in that period of time between, uh, they could not get another job and they could not file for unemployment. That's it. And this week, what did Eric Adams do? He said, hey, Nets, Knicks, Yankees, Mets, Rangers, you don't need to be vaccinated. You're the best, not like the rest, like those little people, the civil servants who risk their lives for us. Because I love to be wine-dined in pocket line, and you little people can't do that for the rich owners. They certainly can. Uh, this was customized for me by David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. When I supported them in their battles against Spotify, against Joe Rogan, 
But this will be the last time this plays, because at some point this afternoon, Frank Morano is going to sift through 380-plus suggestions for a new name for the other side of Midnight, the weekend edition that he had a hissy fit about. He gets to choose the name? How does that make sense? Well, he's the golden child now at WABC with all of his uh, fabo interviews with Roger Stone and Pete... I just, I feel crestfallen. I'm going to lose this song. But let's go back to the phones. Uh, to Ina, who's calling from the west side where I live. Uh, welcome to my uh, 80, 68th birthday here at WABC. Not my 86. Uh, your turn to be heard on WABC, Ina. Hi, Curtis. How are you? Congratulations on your 86th birthday, man. You, you're a wonderful person. And I love you. I, and y- your wife is a beautiful person, and I'm so happy to hear you on the on the on this um, radio. I co- tried to call earlier, but I couldn't get through. No, I know there's a lot of people uh, wishing me a, a happy birthday. And Ina, uh, I remember you were a caretaker. Uh, on uh, the block at uh, 89th and J in Canarsie when uh, you ran across my mother, Francesca. Yes, she's a beautiful person. And we come, we become very good friends. She made me lasagna after that um, thing with the car and stuff. And Mr. Benito, Mr. Benito was very funny. He said, Ina, you, you taking on Francesca and... You, Curtis, you were um, like a president from you were little, uh, you know, because you you were the you were managing that block. Everybody respect you, even though you were so young. And I know I I said everybody said you were going to be like a lawyer because um, you had everything. And Curtis, do you remember Danza? Yes. The one that have. Yes, Danza. You know, Danza is Mr. Mr. Bennett's cousin, oh. and and Danza is Tony Bennett's father. Yes, yes. No, no, no. I I, I remember the memories are flowing now. Eighty ninth and J, where I spent most of my life growing up, playing stickball, boxball, stoopball, Johnny on the Pony, Buck Buck, Ring Alivio. Every conceivable game that you could play with a Spalding or a Pensy Pinky. Oh, it's the best, the best of life growing up. But now this song that you're hearing for the last time, The Other Side of Midnight, will be no more. Because Frank uh, prefers the garage band song that's somebody uh, created for him instead of this classic that was given to me personally. But you know something? I'm not going to let this bother me on my birthday today. By the way... Be listening at 2 o'clock this afternoon, uh, the Curtis uh, Sliwa Anthony Weiner Show, a super spectacular.